On this episode of the podcast, we discuss replicas. Also known as John Wick 4. John Wick deals with personal loss in a very different way than he usually does. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. What I like is it reminds people of a huge movie that's in the theaters. And welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, dude, it's me, Stuart Wellington. And over here, it's Elliot Kalen. And joining me is a special guest for a few moments. Uh, what's your name, sir? Sammy. Sammy, would you like to say hello to everybody? You want to say it? No? Shaking your head no? You want to say, mm-hmm. do you want to say poop to everybody? No. Mm-hmm. No? Do you want to say <laughs> Batman to everybody? Oh, okay. No. Well, oh wow! I've, Sammy look takes one look at Dan and <laughs> runs away. I, so I Sammy think, is refusing your uh, stage dad push into show business, Elliot. No, this yeah, is yeah. the only way we're going to make ends meet. He's got to become a superstar, Sammy. <laughs> all right, uh, do you want to be on a TV show? No. No. Okay. Here, can you stop clicking that pen right into the microphone? Uh, I figured that mm-hmm. since today is a movie all about family, I'd bring my own son onto the show. What do you guys think? I think that's a great idea, although he doesn't seem to think so. <laughs> no, it's funny because... He seems, he seems very invested uh, in being in the room and seeing the podcast, but not being on the podcast. Yes, well, he likes to be he likes to be hanging out with me, isn't that right, Sammy? Yeah, but he's a very shy boy, and he doesn't like to have the spotlight. I'll tell you what, why don't you go upstairs and, and help Mommy with her project, okay? You don't even say goodbye? Bye. Oh, he said goodbye. Bye, Sammy. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, guys. Okay, now that he's gone, let's talk shit about it. <laughs> okay, can you believe how little he brought to that bit? I know. I know. You were giving him all those great prompts. I thought you were going to be like, could you believe how little he is? <laughs> can you, he's, like a, he's like a person, but he's like a tiny person. Can you believe that? Yeah. Crazy. Uh-huh. It was like somebody cooked him in a little cloning tank for only like... I don't know, a 10 days. <laughs> Not yeah. the full 17. Uh, Dan, now we've mentioned family, cloning tanks. Uh, what, what are we doing on this podcast? Is it a cloning podcast? Well, I mean, this week in part, but mostly it's a bad movie podcast uh, where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Uh, and what do we watch this week? Replicas starring, starring Keanu Reeves. And? Alice Eve. And? Uh, that guy who's a character actor who's always bad. What? What? The bad guy. Thomas Middleditch? <laughs> no. Oh, Thomas Middleditch is also in it. I was thinking of the You mean big he's villain. always a bad guy in the movies? Yes. Because when you say a character <laughs> actor who's always bad, it sounds like he's a bad character actor. Uh-huh. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just I'm, not I'm saving any you. Value judgment about his performances or him as a person. Okay, I'm glad we could save you from a slander lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, the, f- the first time for the flop house. <laughs> yeah, usually we get hit with those pretty hard. Now, guys. I want to apologize that uh, my son, like we said, was super into hanging out here, would not leave the room for a while. But then once the microphones came on, he was totally didn't want to talk. Stage fright. Mm-hmm. And stage fright, yep. it ties into today's film. How is that, Dan? Uh-huh. Yeah, Dan. Well, hold on. <laughs> you jackass. You can't set up a segue that I have no idea where it goes. Uh, okay, well then you do your own segue, I guess. Okay, so f- after firing up Amazon Prime... <laughs> Oh, it's on Amazon Prime? I, I mean, I, I think I paid for it. Yeah, okay, no, yeah we had to rent it. Uh, 
Yeah, I rented it on Amazon Prime. Uh, don't you know? I don't like I don't like supporting <laughs> you know big Amazon or anything, but. Uh, I was in a rush. Uh, so we, <laughs> you were in a rush, so you couldn't... What? Like, I don't know, like, fucking get, fly like to an, Portland to go to the last blockbuster. Yeah, get in, like, <laughs> some sort of artisanal version of <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. movie. Yeah, I didn't I didn't download it from some someone co- else's some brain who had already watched streaming it. Service. Dan was surprised that it was on Amazon because, as always, anytime he has to watch a movie, he buys a plane ticket, hops on the mm-hmm. flight, and then fires mm-hmm. up his in-flight entertainment. That's how he watches every movie. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I just didn't want to have paid for it on iTunes with, for no reason. But uh, apparently, this is a real waste of time, this diversion. Yeah, huh, guys? I was getting into my fucking opening bit. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I fired up the movie. Mm-hmm. I guys, got so wait, to watch I, like... Look, I want to apologize. This is Sammy's fault. Okay, and I understand that. Uh-huh. It really threw off our chemistry. I thought he'd be the next Jenny Jaffe. It did not work uh-huh. out. I apologize for that. <laughs> really throwing Sammy under the bus. <laughs> yeah, dragging Sammy. Uh, I would never actually drag my son or throw him under a bus. <laughs> it's going to be our follow-up podcast where we uh, we talk about the previous episode. But, uh, speaking about vehicle accidents and sons, go, go on with your story about replicas. I, I, I don't know what you refer to. Let's talk about the movie. <laughs> Dan, we? Uh, uh, I, look, I want to say, all jokes aside, Dan, solid gold segue, sterling silver. Wonderful work. Okay, so... Stuart, continue. Sterling Silver would be a, uh, sounds like one of the many different production logos that we are hit with. <laughs> I think we get like six or seven. Wasn't them one of them like something like Entertainment, yeah, Entertainment I, Studios? I think, it's the, <laughs> I think it's the same company that made Hurricane Heist, Entertainment Studios Motion Pictures. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so we get a bunch of those and then the movie opens, flying over the ocean. Yeah, I was like, are we watching Serenity again? What's <laughs> yeah, going on? yeah, yeah, yeah. And we are in Arecibo, Puerto Rico. We are introduced to a high-tech research facility called Bionine. Now, here's a question I had, guys. Why is the movie in Puerto Rico? They never really seem, seem to make anything out of that. Uh, so much so that I did not realize until Stuart said it right now that they were in Puerto <laughs> there Rico. Was a- that's insane, because anytime there's a shot that's outdoors... Especially at night, you can hear, you can very hear, uh, clearly hear the coquis, the little frogs chirping. And I found that very... Uh, I mean, uh, I haven't been to Puerto Rico 50 times like you have, Stuart, so I don't like, why, associate... Why are you saying the... that like that's a burn? No, it's not a burn. <laughs> I'm just saying that like I have, n- I have no association with frog noises in Puerto Rico. Well, I th- okay, I was, well. I, it was something I kept forgetting, and then suddenly like some police would show up and they'd say... Oh, you speak English? Uh, pardon my English. I speak Spanish. And I was like, why? Oh, right, right, Puerto Rico. Or when they're shopping for Christmas trees and there's just like Latin music in the background. I was like, this is weird Christmas music. Oh, right, it's Puerto Rico. It's Puerto it, Like the setting seemed to confuse me more than to add anything to the to the movie. And how did I add nothing to the movie? Stuart, continue. They're at the Bio 9 facility, right? I mean, I think Puerto Rico is its own character in the movie, but we'll go. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Uh, so we're in the Bio9 Research Facility. We're introduced to Will Foster, some mm-hmm. kind of a scientist, played by Keanu Reeves. His buddy, Ed. Some played... kind of a scientist. He is a neurocomputerologist. Okay, thank you for clarifying, yeah. Elliot. And we have uh, Thomas Middleditch, who's like kind of like a flunky Igor type. Uh, <laughs> I, I want mean... to say this about... Oh, go on. And I was going to say, uh, Keanu Reeves is like a computer scientist and who also does neuroscience, and Thomas Middleditch is like a biologist. He's a He's a... He grows the organs, and Keanu Reeves is working with robots. So that's their main mm-hmm. difference. They're the original odd couple. Uh, I was going to say that like Keanu Reeves is an actor that 
I've grown to have great fondness for. Like, I liked him at the beginning. I thought he was a very funny comic actor, but I didn't know what his range was. But I think in his old age, or not old age, but middle age, he's No, no, gotten... in his dotage. He's almost dead now. <laughs> okay. In his middle age, he's gotten very interesting. I will say, though, in these early scenes, I don't really buy him so much as a scientist. But once he starts uh, being, like, sad and mourning, like, I feel that the play is more to his strength, which is, like, sort of... This sad-eyed sincerity. There is also, I, I can see that. There is also a scene later on where he is very excited, and we'll give you the context later, to be cooking breakfast for his family. And I thought it was such a good dead-on performance of a weird dad who is suddenly excited. Yeah. to. He's like, French toast, milady, and stuff like that. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I've known yeah. so many dads like this who are like, I'm going to have some fun now. And it doesn't work. Yeah, I think I think he, he he's pretty fun in this movie. Yeah. So they... Like the alarms start ringing, they realize they have a new donor on the way, so everybody uh, goes to their battle stations, and they un- uh, were introduced to like a lab where there's a robot uh, that looks kind of like the robots from I- the movie I Robot. Yeah, uh, with with the numbers three, four, five stenciled on its chest. And Ooh, the, spooky! The, <laughs> the effects get a little better later on, but in these early scenes, like I feel like the robot when he moves looks like kind of like bad stop motion, even though I'm sure it's CGI, but it has this really herky-jerky weird oh, quality. See, I so, liked that mm-hmm. about it. I actually liked the yeah. robot effects because they looked, they didn't look as smooth as I was worried they would look. Yeah. It does look mm-hmm. herky-jerky. It looks like a robot that is not very good at being a robot. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we'll, as we'll see, it doesn't continue being that good at being a robot. Um, <laughs> so, Foreshadowing. Yeah. So they uh, they open up a casket and the donor is revealed to be a dead soldier who has been recently killed in action, I believe. And they they hook up a device and they like run some kind of a thing into its brain. They stick and a, like, a needle into its brain to pull out its brain waves or something or it's yeah, yeah there's this cool there's this cool graphic of like data downloading from a brain into <laughs> a like like a giant nintendo cartridge thing called like a mem disc or a mem yeah. drive yeah they're extracting <laughs> memories memories of this guy yeah, yeah the mem drive that like that is color coded based on uh when there's memories <laughs> in it it is a hilarious looking prop like it does like Stuart yeah. says it looks like an enormous nintendo cartridge and yeah. it is I don't know. It's one of the one of a couple things in the movie where I was like, I really like the design of this thing. It looks so unwieldy and like a like something you would store brain memories on in like the 1990s. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, that's kind of part of the uh, part of the appeal for me. So then, in the same sense of cool 1990s stuff, Doctor Will Foster, in order to map the brain, the dead soldier's brain waves onto the robot's brain, he puts on this super cool visor <laughs> and then he starts doing like Minority Report. Like moving browsers around with his wind with his hands, and it's and all stuff, holograms and, like, and an AR display. Uh huh. And he's much better at manipulating uh, this these these like hologram screens than I am, say, my phone screen. <laughs> <laughs> I want to mention real here that the idea of what the brain is like and memories are like in this movie is so like you could see inside a brain and stuff like that, and you can easily find uh-huh. things. And there's a scene later on where Keanu Reeves needs to search for a specific memory of a character named Zoe in a brain, and he types into a search window, Zoe. And it's like, wait, mm-hmm. so is the brain indexed? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh no, all memories of the movie Killing Zoe are gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. Uh, um, Dad, okay. I had a report on Franny and Zoe due next week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. 
So, yeah, so he, you know, he moves his arms around a lot, and we see that the robot is slowly, like, coming to life. Uh, this scene takes probably a little too long. And then, uh, you know... There's a lot of tech mumbo-jumbo. There's a lot of, like, yeah. setting up algorithm, algorithm good, cortex neuroplasma transfer, transferring cortex neuroplasma. Okay, check cerebral energon. Cerebral energon is frying. Get the eggs mm-hmm. motivated. Eggs are motivated. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Truck it over. Uh, trucking. Keep on trucking. Keeping on uh-huh. trucking. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that all happens. And then the robot wakes up and it seems like everything's going well until all of a sudden the robot begins freaking out and ripping itself apart. Uh, and I thought this scene was kind of, like, I actually thought this scene was kind of cool. Like, and also it seems pretty obvious why the robot is not happy because yeah, it does seem pretty obvious. And yet it takes Keanu half the movie to figure out what the deal is, which it will, I think we'll get to that. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this soldier is killed in action. And then he wakes up and he's in like this kind of, as we have described it, kind of crappy robot body. And he freaks out. Like, yeah, he's like, what am I? <laughs> Why am I? And you think the first thing they would say is, wait, you're a, you died and you're in a robot now. But instead, Keanu Reeves just keeps going like, keeps going, Sergeant Johnson, Sergeant Johnson, please, Sergeant Johnson. And it's like, you're only confusing uh-huh. him more. Just explain everything. Come on. Yeah, yeah. So that obviously doesn't go well. His boss, a character named Jones, is very <laughs> disappointed. Uh, and they, I guess they like, that was the end of a work day on Friday. So... <laughs> Keanu, uh, Keanu Reeves like, well, I'm going on vacation for a long weekend. I'll see you afterwards. Uh, but there's the feeling that there's pressure to shut the whole project down if they can't get if they can't find success on the next try. So we have a ticking clock, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, the motivations of the corporation are a little like hazy. I feel like throughout the movie, like I guess like at this point they're like, I don't want to throw good money after bad, so I'm going to shut things down. But later on. I'm not quite sure why it makes some of the moves. Well, it, does. it starts again, out. We'll it starts out as this is a company and we need results. And by the end of the movie, it is we are some sort of secret organization that wants to do harness your work for something. And they, <laughs> yeah. they mention. I mean, we can jump ahead, but they mention at one point they go, "Imagine a computer virus with the hacker's mind inside the virus." And it's like that doesn't make any sense. Come on. But also, like <laughs> computer viruses are, you could just program them in. I don't understand. What's the, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like we've 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 reached a pretty good virus technology. We don't need like a hacker inside that virus. Yeah, to you make don't it need better. like you don't need like a console cowboy stuck in that uh, <laughs> yeah. virus, like, flying flying through like, walls of ice. Yeah, like <laughs> zooming around on rollerblades. It's like yeah. they're like. Imagine Hugh Jackman in Swordfish inside the computer so he doesn't have to mm-hmm. spin around in his chair and drink wine while he dances around typing keypads to open up that yeah. cube or whatever it is that's on the screen. He could just do it yeah. inside the computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he would have a virtual bathrobe. <laughs> so we are introduced to uh, we're introduced to his loving family. They've clearly moved, I guess, moved down to Puerto Rico to support this job. Uh, his wife, Mona, played by Alice Eve, is, I guess, a nurse at a clinic. Yeah. Yes, or a doctor. Um, yeah. and Reminds yeah, me totally of an old right. riddle, guys. Apparently, uh-huh. there was a car accident, and uh-huh. and a man and a boy are in the car accident. And Do, they, we, uh, and, do we have to do this whole riddle? Or <laughs> <and> the, <laughs> the boy, you just sort of reference it, I think. The boy gets rushed to the hospital, and the doctor says... I can't operate on this boy. He's dead. We'll have to clone him and put a pro- computer program in his brain. Replicas. Okay. <laughs> so we're, we're introduced to uh, 
the the three foster children. Are See they? Fo- I did that because that's uh, that's their last name, dude. Um, they. Uh, oh, I get, and their and, name is Australian for beer, so they're really the beer family. Mm-hmm. Um, and the we're introduced to the three children: <laughs> Sophie, Matt, and Zoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're the whole family is getting ready to go. They're loading up in the car. They're going to take a nighttime drive to, uh, I guess, a boat to go on a to boat Thomas trip. Middleditch has a boat that he is loaning them to go on a family boat trip. Because when you have two teenagers and a younger kid, the, the first thing you want is to be stuck on a small boat for who knows how many days together. Now, mm-hmm. are they, like, What's that boat's name? Uh, it was called, the, I don't remember. The Cheating Hussy. The they, Cheating Hussy, that's right. Headed... I think there's no bathroom on it, too. They're not headed directly to the boat, right? They're going to like a cabin or something because it's like nighttime. They're not going to all like go on a family middle of the night boat. I trip. thought they were just yeah, going you, on the boat. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, uh, you gotta okay. catch those fish. That's pretty weird. Yeah, you gotta go, get up go early in the morning if you're going to catch those fish. So early, it's not even morning yet. It's nighttime, and also uh, a driving rain. Yeah, so we we get a little bit of information that's going to be applicable later. And Thomas Middleditch, I guess, is going to look after their house while they're gone. Uh, they all climb into the car and go driving, and just like you'd imagine it, it starts raining right away. Uh, they're driving on a dangerous rainy road, and they narrowly avoid getting smashed by a semi-truck, only to get smashed by a falling tree, uh, which, uh, what? Skewers sen- Alice Eve, and uh-huh. then sends the car into a, a, a pond or a lake, uh-huh. and uh, the others... Other than Keanu Reeves drown. Uh, yeah, so like it's it's a it's shot fairly matter of factly. Uh, it is not as gory or as horrifying as the actual Are you experience. Giving would be. the director his performance review. I'm not sure yep. what's happening. Right <laughs> now. Yep. Yeah, Dan, this is the kind of podcast where we tell directors if they did a good job or not. Good point, okay. Stuart. Stop it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Dan's right. Dan's right. This is the kind of podcast where we present no judgments. Well, I'm just saying the fa- the fact that there was nothing particularly interesting about the way it was shot seems to be some a fact that we can not put in the podcast. Uh, I think I don't know. I think it's. I mean, we put a lot of dumb bullshit on this <laughs> okay. podcast, Dan. It's our podcast. <laughs> That's true. One thing I'll mention here is that uh, I guess Keanu Reeves' assassin training kicked in because uh-huh. his entire family dies in this car crash, and he emerges without a scratch, just like— Uh-huh. I mean, it, physical scratch. Uh, I mean, I think he has a scratch on his head, but okay. he—I mean, he has severe, severely deep emotional wounds at this point, as you would imagine. <laughs> That's true. He also seems to go back into the water and retrieve each of their bodies one at a time, right? Yeah, and I, I do want to point out I am aware of Keanu Reeves' own— like his real life traumatic past regarding uh, loved ones in car accidents. And oh, I find that like, I'm not aware of that. I'm, I apologize. Yeah. I mean, he, no, it's, I mean, I think it's, it's something that we should address at some point on this podcast, because I think it is an inter- like, it's an interesting choice for him and an interesting choice, like for the team, for him to be inv- like, maybe he's working through something. Um, but he, he certainly brings a fair amount of emotion to this, this specific situation he pulls his family's bodies out of the car he reaches out to his friend ed thomas middleditch (laughs) because he has the immediate plan to bring his family back to life at this point i know what you're thinking like cool a robot family Uh Uh (laughs) no there's also clones and for some (laughs) reason for some reason there are two parallel tracks going on of research of this thing and they're not trying to like put 
old memories in clone bodies. They're like, uh, we've got the technology to just clone humans, but let's put them in robots well, I would, instead. They would, what they say is they have not yet reached the stage of cloning humans at the at the project. They've only cloned lower animals, and it was pro- mm. it's probably unethical to put a human mind, I mean, in a robot to begin with, but it, against its will. It's probably unethical to put a human mind in a cloned body until you know that you can move a human mind into something, so you don't end up with yeah. like, oh, great, we have a cloned body with a brain that doesn't work. Okay, turn it into a writer for Family Guy. I guess. I mean, like, <laughs> wow. I say that I mean, I guess... also having a friend who works for Family Guy, and there's a lot of great yeah. people who uh-huh. work over there. Yeah. I just, th- I just think it's interesting wow, because well, he's like, got a friend, everybody. Th- this, <laughs> his name is Chris. Yeah. Oh wow. This choice uh, makes sense for plot machinations later on, but right now, like early in the movie, I was just like, "What? Why?" But we were just talking about robots, and now they're clones. Yeah, it's a little. It does seem to come out of nowhere. It literally comes yeah. out of nowhere since they never mentioned it before. But here's another thing that gets me, and again, and you know, spoiler alert: this part of the movie I was enjoying. Uh, but yeah. uh-huh. that, that, like, he uh, he's like, well, I guess I could bring over the cloning pods, but we only have three of them. And it's like, wait, so the lab has three cloning pods. You're just going to take them, and they're huge. Like, they take up a lot of space. Uh-huh. You're just going to take yeah. them, and nobody is going to notice that you took all of the cloning pods from the project? Like, if- Well, maybe, I mean, I would say maybe the that that was a avenue that they had been researching and then they decided to put it on pause until they could get the brain mapping done properly oh, yeah, i mean like it is ridiculous on one end on the other end the movie does r- address that later on where you find out like uh yeah people noticed <laughs> like, uh, yeah that's yeah. true but it's it was just weird because that he thought he could get away with it i guess it was the, the assumption that like uh people would come by and be like where are the cloning pods and be like uh they're being cleaned i sent them out to get cleaned <laughs> oh you 17 day the, cleaning <laughs> 17 day cleaning you gotta get you really gotta get in all the nooks of the cloning pods because there's a little bit of clone left in there and that's just yeah. gross oh yeah yeah, so, yeah well you don't want that clone mixing up with the other clone and then you got a, the fly situation yeah exactly yeah which is pretty sexy at first and then after a little <laughs> while you're like mm, no thank you there's a there's sometimes there's a clone and it gets just a little bit of clone on its nose and it look, looks looks like it's got a red ball on its nose and then it's a clown it's not a clone <laughs> oh wow oh yeah the now at this point that was a long uh, walk to the circus huh <laughs> <laughs> uh so at this point Keanu or dr will is Keanu? he is uh <laughs> is well, look, look, Stuart's saying, sing him a song, he's the piano man. <laughs> he is, uh, he's behaving in your typical, like, Herbert West, uh, Dr. Frankenstein type thing. Yeah. And Ed, and he, he keeps dragging Ed into this, these situations, and you kind of wish Ed had been the kind of friend who's like, well, sometimes dead is better. <laughs> But he is not that kind of friend. Well, that was like at this point in the movie, you're kind of wondering, like, is this going to turn into a pet cemetery? Uh-huh. Like, you're not totally clear where this is, like, yes. the movie as a whole is going to go. Yeah. And, and the movie is and, not clear where the movie as a whole is going to go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So they, they load the bodies up in the back of a truck. They also have loaded all the cloning equipment. And they go back to uh, Will's house. And I guess the plan is to not tell anyone there was a car accident. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try and clone Will's family. Yeah, the problem is, is... Toast there's up only, some pizza rolls and make a real night of it. There's only <laughs> there's only three cloning pods. And he has four dead family members. So he's going to have to make a choice. And I actually, I thought that was a pretty fun, oh, I thought yeah. that was a pretty fun twist. There and is... the sequence where he like writes his family members' names on pieces of paper was pretty good. Because he immediately puts, he's like, no, I got to save my wife. And then he puts his three kids' names in a bowl and asks his friend to pick one randomly, 
which is a crazy thing to do. <laughs> and <laughs> Thomas Middleditch, to his credit, is like, no, you got to make that choice. <laughs> yeah, he's obviously, you know, uh, he's impaired by grief. I mean, I don't want to spoil my uh, my final judgment, but there are a lot of choices in this movie that I actually thought were pretty fun. That's one of them that yeah. like he has to choose. And it turns out that the the child they are not resurrecting is his youngest, uh, named uh, thematically appropriately Zoe. Now his youngest, who he also seems to like the most. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, she's younger. She's also, not yet at, could, the, at the irritating age, but yeah, and they also could have like slipped in more references to her because it makes that plot point more important. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we don't really uh, get too much of a sense of the other kids before they're cloned. But here's, I wish they yeah. had had in that scene him going back and just remembering all the worst things about each of his kids to try to figure out which one was not worth bringing back. Be like, <laughs> yeah. well, the older girl, she's just at this weird stage that is, she doesn't want to talk to me. She thinks I'm so lame. It's so annoying. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel bad every day. But I guess hopefully she'll grow out of that. But the son, uh, like, will he ever stop masturbating? It's just like, I mm-hmm. find his crusty the socks all over not. the place. <laughs> probably not, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> It's, and they're just like, and Zoe, I mean, she's great, but like, sometimes it's just like, okay, put down a book, go outside, run around, have some fun, you know, these kids with mm-hmm. their phones. and, and Espe- Thomas- Especially if it's those uh, Brett Easton Ellis books she keeps reading. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She, apparently she's over my outrage about the president. I don't understand. <laughs> How does she get to make that judgment? Why does she care? But uh, And Thomas Middleditch is like, do I need to be here while you're ruminating over all this? Yeah. Uh, at this point, there's a lot of talk about the logistics of everything. Uh, like Keanu Reeves is like they got they all got to come out of their like clone pods at the same day. And like at first, Thomas Middleditch is like that's impossible. And then he like does like a calculation. He's like, oh, I'll do it. And it's like, <laughs> is this going to be a plot point? And it's not. It is not. Uh, it is, but it is but, weird. It's like they. I guess they have to what slow down the cloning in a couple of the tanks so that the kids don't come out, out too old. But. And also, yeah, they, yeah, there's something about levels and timing, and yeah, it was. Well, he has 17 days before these clones are going to come out. He's got just 17 days to clone his family before the big dance. There's this ticking clock there because Keanu still hasn't figured out how to keep the memories from being rejected in the new bodies, so he has to figure that out before the 17 days are over, or else the clones will keep rapidly aging in their pods. And he also uh-huh. has to uh, monitor the levels of the tanks, or else, so he can't leave. He has to stay at his house yeah. for two and a half weeks, watching these clones. And he also can't let the uh, he can't let the power go out, which I mean, I guess like Puerto Rico has a history of having power issues, so that might be a reason why it was set in Puerto Rico. It's a pretty uh, so- pretty flimsy <laughs> excuse. <laughs> Uh, and because it's a beautiful island. I mean, it's and, a great place. Uh, I love I'm, Puerto I'm Rico. Ho- and by shooting in Puerto Rico, I hope that it brought some, you know, additional money to the economy. Yeah, I'll, recommend, I'll recommend that, uh, once again, Flophouse Comics are available on the Flophouse website. All proceeds go to uh, Puerto Rico uh, recovery efforts. Yeah, and we we learn later that the way Keanu Reeves deals with this fact that he doesn't have a generator is he goes around and he steals all the batteries from the cars in the neighborhood, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is another thing that doesn't really pay off. It's just kind of funny. No, and also, but I also like that he it means that he went on this spree where in one night, like a reverse car battery Santa Claus, he went to every house <laughs> and stole their car batteries. Yeah, I kind of like that bit. And also, when the police show up later and you think his goose is cooked, they reveal that information and they're like. Was your car battery stolen? And he's like, 
nope. He's like, guess I'm the lucky one. And they're like, oh, nothing suspicious about that. See you later. <laughs> uh, whole neighborhood, everyone's car batteries were stolen except for this one dude. Hmm, high level of electricity coming off of this guy's house. Well, mm-hmm. nothing we can do about it. Dude, 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 yeah, yeah, dude. they pull out their like PKE meters and they're like, hmm, so much juice. <laughs> Time to go back to the fact that Congress changed the law to make it harder for our island, uh, almost state, to take care of itself. Do 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 do. Hey, wonder if we'll ever have full representation in Congress. Not with this party in power. Da 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 da. Hey, do you think that guy who was the only one in the whole block who didn't lose his car battery, maybe he stole the car batteries? Look, we've got such bigger problems here. Why are we worried about this one guy stealing car batteries? It's not an issue we need to deal with. They only sent us mm-hmm. out to make the one block of rich white people who had their car batteries stolen feel good. Okay, you're right. Let's go on to real problems do 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 anyway that's a scene from my new show two cops in puerto rico it's weird that in between talking about such heavy things they would like sing a little song like that well that's because the people of puerto rico you can't bring them down you know (laughs) they're they've always got they've always got that certain uh you know like yeah resilience resilience all those things that make a people you know strong and they've got it so even when all those troubles are going to are going on they still have that song in their heart and it sounds like this do 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 da 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 yeah uh well <laughs> that aside so this is where this is about where uh Keanu's character makes probably the craziest choice in this movie and i say that with full understanding that he has decided to clone and bring back his dead family is that because he can't he can't resurrect his youngest daughter, Zoe. He decides to edit the memories of his other family members and completely remove all memories of their youngest daughter, which is insane. Yeah, which is crazy. Like there's like there's no, first off, he would have to do that for everyone on the planet. Yeah, that's that's the thing they were always kind of putting off and it never comes up in the movie. But the moment where someone is like, hey, where's Zoe? Where's your youngest daughter? Because even at his yeah. computer at home, at his in his office, he has a piece of paper on it that says, like, I love daddy, love Zoe, in the shape of a unicorn. Unicorns here represent Zoe because she's impossible. And uh-huh. they, and it's and maybe it's a Blade Runner reference. I don't know. But it's always like, okay, what's your long game here when the rest of the world realizes you used to have a daughter? Do you just be like, oh, no, no, you're mistaken. You're thinking of a different Will Foster who also <laughs> yeah. was a robot brain scientist. <laughs> yeah. His plan is to gaslight everyone else in the world like his, his, his there mo- never was a zoe like his mother comes in and goes where's my granddaughter zoe uh-oh senility has finally struck oh boy take her away nurses what oh no i had a granddaughter her name was zoe imaginary granddaughters oh boy take away grandma i mean it's an it's an important plot point to mention that though you reference zoe's grandparents uh we learn pretty clearly in the movie that they are dead and there's no way that she has them so it's interesting maybe somebody's carefully edited your memories elliot uh, i don't know if carefully uh, we'll get edited to that later. so much the fact that i just didn't remember <laughs> so back at work uh which will is not going to we find out <laughs> that if the next if the next test does not work they'll definitely shut the project down yeah so thomas middleditch is on the phone with counter being like you gotta get back to work he's like i can't do it i gotta do this other stuff he's like Dude, people are going to be suspicious. You got to get, get back to work. We get like a little bit of a don't tell mom the babysitter's dead situation, or in this case, babysitter's dad, because he's the dad. Um, <laughs> it's don't tell everybody your family is dead situation. I yeah. thought it was more of a, a kind of a weekend at Bernie's sort of thing. It, it, kind of. They're trying to convince, he's, Keanu's trying to convince everyone in the world that like these people are not dead. Yeah, so it's, it's <laughs> more of true. a rest of your life at Bernie's type scenario. Yeah, because he's like texting 
like his daughter's boyfriend back and like answering that emails. Was, for that it. part was great. This was no, maybe thought, my favorite part in the movie, hilarious. where he's just like, uh, like so his son's teacher comes by the house to wonder what's going on because it's been five days and he hasn't shown up, and he's like, uh, oh yeah, he's uh, he's at his grandparents because he got he got sick, so we sent him to his grandparents. And Thomas Middleditch is like, aren't his grandparents dead? And it's like, I don't know. So he sends an email under his wife's name to the teacher saying, we're homeschooling our son from now on. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then he starts responding to everyone's texts and emails. And he opens up his wife's phone and it's like a hundred miss, missed voicemails. And he's like, really? Oh, <laughs> it's like, it was, yeah. he suddenly becomes the personal assistant for his entire family, which is you know, I love this. Cause like the movie's like one step away from farce at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a thing that like no other movie like this ever addresses. The fact that like, Oh, you got to put a lot of balls in the air. If you're going <laughs> to try and do one of these scams. Now, the only way it would have <laughs> yeah. been better is if he was setting up appointments and dates with people and then had to dress up yeah. as members of his family. <laughs> well, or at, or, it maybe not go that extreme, just like have to cancel them right before each date. So he's like setting all these timers. And, uh, um, the, uh, he's on the phone. Yeah, he's like, hello? The- no, this is Mona Foster, Will's wife. Yeah, I like the... Uh, <laughs> Where did you identify yourself that way, Mona? <laughs> I'm totally alive right now and not in a cloning tank. Okay, I didn't think you would be, but... <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, that would be strange because there's only three cloning tanks. and It would be weird that you'd be taking up one of the three. But, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, uh, he also, and, and he like starts the... getting the voices mixed up and he's like, hey, dude, it's me, uh, Mona. Oh, damn, that's the sun voice I was using. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, yes. No, it's me. <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Stovetop stuffing at your house tonight? I, I, sorry, I mean, whoa, stovetop stuffing at your house tonight? And so the audience <laughs> knows I was putting a hand up to my head as if it was a phone during this whole uh-huh. bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. why you didn't hear a lot of Dan and Stewart in that bit because we were cracking up so hard. Yeah, <laughs> we're, at, the, at the accuracy. Yeah, the so this is where Thomas Middleditch explains that if they're in those tanks too long, they're going to get super old. So they got to drain those wrinkly. tanks. They're going to get wrinkly and pruny. Yeah, uh, which is which is why humans develop wrinkles is <laughs> because we get all pruny from being in clone tanks. Because if you stay in a bath too long, you get older. Yeah. The so they they uh they take those uh bodies out of the pods. They have to tranquilize. They have to sedate them because Will is not ready to map those brains yeah, yet. They, well, he still put, can't figure out the final component, and he doesn't want us to have a situation where they like rip their bodies apart yeah. like that poor robot did. It's more than sedating them. They put he puts them into a medically induced coma so yeah. that they can be asleep for as long as he needs. And meanwhile, off to the side is Joey Ramone saying, "I want to be sedated. Come on, uh-huh. mm-hmm. spread yep. the wealth. Come on, give a little medicine over this way." Politely imploring. <laughs> Uh, the this is the moment when we realize that despite the early warnings that the the cloning job has been has been good like they they look exactly the same their mm-hmm. organs are not on the outside or anything crazy Thomas yeah, Thomas have an Mi- extra ear nope no extra ears no extra feet sticking out of their butts or anything like that Thomas Middleditch finally I assume gets to live out a fantasy of seeing his coworker's wife naked when he helps him mm-hmm. to I remove mean, her from the pod. I mean, he's like a doctor or something, though, dude. Like, don't you think that he he uh, is he's not a creep? Clinical. <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, he's a creep. Look at Thomas Middleditch. That character's a creep. Oh, wow. wow! Wow! I mean, so <laughs> now, I'm not saying uh, do, Thomas I, I, Middleditch is a creep. I'm saying he only plays creeps. And can I, <laughs> I think there's a uh, I think there's a good point to 
to mention that I actually like the 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 friendship between these two guys. Like I thought they had some pretty good uh, chemistry. It's something that I would not have guessed that Keanu Reeves and Thomas Middleditch would have such good chemistry together, but they do mm-hmm. really like react well together. And they're they like I, it's similar to when we saw the trust. And I was like, I would watch a whole TV show of Nicolas Cage and Elijah Wood starring together. Like I would watch yeah. a Keanu Reeves and Thomas Middleditch series of films or TV shows. They are really good together in a way I would not have predicted. So he uh, he puts his family in their cl- in their pajamas, puts them in bed. They're in a coma, uh, and he's like, "I got to figure this out. I only have three days to keep." So we have a new ticking clock. He, the house is a total mess, and he just can't seem to figure it out until mm-hmm. he rests his hand on his wife's hand, and he notice notices brainwave activity, and he's like, "Wait a minute." The secret ingredient is love. No. No. The fifth <laughs> element is no. me. What he realizes is there's a brain body connection, like you're like which is obvious, and like the uh he reali- and these other these other uh like transfers have happened because the consciousness are rejecting the fact that they're now in a robot body, which seems uh-huh. like it should have been fucking obvious from the start that that's the problem. Like no shit. Keanu, like, oh, your big insight is, like, if you put him in a clone body that's the same as their old body, they're not going to freak out, like, if they're in a robot? (laughs) I mean, it's really easy to be a Monday morning quarterback (laughs) in this one, (laughs) Now, it would seem obvious that if you looked down and saw your own hands, you would get less freaked out than if you looked down and saw robot hands that can feel nothing (laughs) because they have no nerves on them. It may seem obvious that, like, your body feels different than a robot body that is also naked, so you don't even feel like clothing on you. So not only uh-huh. are you suddenly in a metal body that feels weird, but you're naked and that's embarrassing in front of strangers. Mm, he doesn't uh-huh. seem to, it doesn't, not until now that he realizes like, oh, brains want to be in their bodies. I get it. <laughs> uh-huh. So he he calls up his buddy, his buddy shows up, and they <laughs> uh, Thomas perform the, yeah, yeah. They did the introduce Thomas a new Middleton. buddy for him. <laughs> No, there's not an <laughs> he extra didn't, buddy. He didn't call there. over Uncle Joey to help him with this. <laughs> so he and he performs the he performs the the brain mapping. They initiate uh, what is it? Boot sequence the mapping 12. sequence. <laughs> I think is the exact terms. And uh, he he does it to his family, and it seems to work. And then he sedates them again, and you're like, "What are you just going to keep doing this over and over?" <laughs> And then he goes around the house and he cleans up. We get like a little bit of a montage of him cleaning mm-hmm. and also throwing out all of Zoe's things. He dezoifies the house pretty thoroughly. Yeah, the cleanup is, it's not like he's dusting and like, oh, by the way, I'm going to get rid of Zoe's stuff. Like it's, it's expressly like, I, oh, wait, I told them that there's no Zoe. The house is full of Zoe. Let's get rid of this Zoe. <laughs> it's like, when it's but like, as somebody who is currently packing up a house just to move, not to gaslight my family into believing we don't have a third child, it takes a lot of effort. <laughs> so for him to do that in one night is pretty impressive. And his family never asks, like, why are there all these empty spaces where the pictures are on the walls? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they just recently moved there, too. I think they they got the impression that they hadn't been there that long. But he is also so. kind of half-assing it in that, like, he's literally like, putting all the Zoe shit in, like, bags and then just taking it to the curb (laughs) (laughs) why not like you know put it in a dumpster downtown or something no leave it on the curb and then there's that one lucky garbage man who's like oh cool all this cool zoe stuff (laughs) i'm a huge zoe fan he's risking Uh, that a raccoon comes and opens up the bag and his kids find it and are like who's zoe what's all this zoe stuff doing mm -hmm. here the Yeah. yeah it's it's weird uh and it again brings up the question why is he doing this? Because he loves his family, Stuart. 
Yeah, but... Uh, Much so, like your namesake, Stuart Smalley saved his family in the movie uh-huh. Stuart Saves His Family. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This yep. movie could be called Keanu Saves His Family except for one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which, I, I d- at first, that'd be a weird choice because his character's not named Keanu. That's true. And it's a long title. Replicas is a much punchier title. Yeah, I, I think so. So he he cleans the house, he puts his family to sleep, and then he gets into bed, and he wakes up the next morning in bed alone. Mm. We've all been there. Uh, Yep, and he goes downstairs, and you're like, this is going to be horrifying. But no, it's just his family who are recently awakened from being dead, and they are having uh, having breakfast together, noisily, lustily. It did raise some questions to me, like, like what was the extent of his memory erasing? Because, like, they're just behaving like it's a normal day. Yes, like, well, that's and that comes I, up a little yeah. bit. It, it comes up a little bit later that he has, they seem to have rebooted back to, like, Literally, the day after they died, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or even before. Maybe erase that day where they left. Well, Kids that's are saying, super they must hungry. The the car crash from their memories. Well, not entirely because that comes up later. Yeah. Okay. So the kids are hungry. They they want to eat all the pancakes and French toast in the world. Uh, Keanu puts on a great dad performance at this point. <laughs> he just he puts on such a show of like the chef. He's like pancakes. Yes, yes, we can have pancakes. Uh, what would you like? Uh, French toast? French toast? But of course, madame. Da, 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 but it's da, not da, even da, like, da, what da. would you like French toast? The girl already has a pancake in front of her, and she's like, can I have French toast too? And he's like, sure, what? Well, you know, Carp, carp City, let's he's just, do it. He's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, running he's marathons real tomorrow. judgy about her food choices. <laughs> Look, we're not on the paleo diet anymore. Who cares? Just come on. We're all alive. Isn't it wonderful? We're alive. It, this is uh-huh. Now, this scene... It, let me just be a little pretentious here for the first time uh, in my okay. life and say that yep. this scene has a real Our Town quality to it in that Keanu is so excited that his family is alive, but his family- Is that Our Town or Our Town, like H-O-U-R? No, our O-U-R, like uh-huh. Thornton Wilder's okay. Our Town, not Our <laughs> I Town. I didn't know if there was, a, there was a similar thing that I, did, I wasn't aware of. No, no, it's a different thing, where uh, Keanu is like, oh, this is wonderful, my family, and the family doesn't realize this is a special day, that they died and came back, and they are at first barely giving him the time of day. Like, they mm-hmm. uh, will not, it's like, hey, Dad, what's up? Ugh. Anyway, get out of my way. And it's, it was like, ah, oh, that is what it's like to be a dad. Nobody cares about you. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but uh, you, you are very easily ignored. But there was this, that, but this real quality, like when she goes back for her one day on Earth after dying in our town, where she's like, "Doesn't don't you see how wonderful this all is? Don't you see it?" And everyone's like, "No, whatever. We're just having a regular day." There was kind of a, mm-hmm. a little touch of that in this scene, which I appreciated. Yeah, like the moment where uh, his daughter pours milk into a glass and it's all spoiled and sour uh, because he didn't throw out the old milk while the seventeen days. 17 plus days of stuff was going on. Now, you on. think yeah, he would have gotten is, I mean, to that during his epic clean. He might have noticed mm-hmm, the smelly no. milk, but he didn't. Yeah, and Alice Eve goes for a run, and she seems to be having some sort of physical problems, and the kids seem a little uncoordinated. Was it was it just me, or was her performance, it felt a little bit like the director's like, okay, so you're going to, per- at this point, you're play- your character's a clone, and you're just going to behave normally. And she's like, okay, I'm a robot. Got it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a it's little like, bit no, of... No, no, no. <laughs> there is a little bit of that. But also, I just wanted to say, like, this, the fact that these new clones are a little uncoordinated also doesn't really pay off. I guess the idea is that they'll 
get used to the body over time and it's not like they're degenerating or something but early in the that would be horrible well, no, but like early in the movie like w- w- when this gets brought up i'm that seems like it's a possibility to me like it seems yeah. like they may like just sort of fall yeah, apart. yeah this whole scene i was like watching for any sign that we might have to send in a clean team to like yeah. wipe them out. No, it's but instead it mainly manifests as them being unable to pour things into glasses. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, of course it's a Saturday, uh, so uh, Keanu has to go into work because they have to do another test. Uh, he they have a new donor and he lies and says that the donor isn't ready because I think he knows that deep down the mapping wouldn't be complete, right? Yeah, his like I think that um, he knows it's not going to work. Yeah, what's going on with family has awakened his ethical sense a little bit, and he's like, I don't want to put another consciousness through this this horror uh-huh. of a rejection. And because he re- he also realizes that the uh, only way it'll work is if there's a uh, a direct connection between mind and body, and he has a plan to perform the uh, brain thing, the brain scan on himself, and as well as like write an algorithm in one night. That tricks a brain into thinking well, a robot body is. At this point, a, does he know that he? I, I I don't know whether at this point he knows that he's going to solve that algorithm soon. I think, th- like to me, it was like if anyone's going to go through it, it has to be me. Like, I think that was I think that was more it is that he realizes I know this is going to fail. I'm just going to send another robot to the body shop because it's going to rip itself apart and be unhappy for a yeah. couple minutes. So I'm going to do it on myself because I can't subject anyone else to that. But then I'll try to figure it out. Now, what weird is so he needs to shoot an eye needle into his brain to extract yeah. his brain info. Mm-hmm. Where does he decide to do this? Not in his office, which he does not have. It's an open plan workspace. Uh, Stuart, uh-huh. where does he do it instead? Well, he does it in the bathroom, which is what. <laughs> at that point, I'm like, so he's doing it in a bathroom. Maybe he's just trying to remove all memories of his daughter Zoe from himself. Yeah, oh. but that's not true. No, he's doing uh, a self-download. But like, yeah, he's just a stick. <laughs> and uh, his boss walks in and I'm, takes a pee and is like, "Things aren't so too bad about that one." And Keanu has all this like computer stuff on him in a stall, and he's like, "Yeah, too yeah. bad." And his boss is never like, "Wait." Are you sitting on the toilet without your pants pulled down? What are you doing in there? <laughs> well, also, if I'm going to I mean, you're not allowed to ask that as a boss. <laughs> I guess that's true. If I'm going to stick a needle in my eye, I'm not going to do it in Germ Central. That's the other thing. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. You would you would do it in a dumpster or a loading dock or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some sort of flop house. Yep. Just go to the town dump, get into a big pile of rats. <laughs> Yeah, so he has this whole plan. He talks to his buddy Ed about it, and uh, Ed's like, "Are we going to go tree shopping later or something?" <laughs> it was pretty great. <laughs> and I thought that was him just trying to cover for their conversation, but then they do go tree shopping later. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> so they, he goes home. Mona knows something's wrong. She can't quite figure it out. His daughter sophie is having trouble sleeping she's having nightmares of the car accident while he's at work we get a moment where the family's like hey can anyone find their phones no i don't know where my phone is just to tie up that loose end yeah yeah the the true horror is revealed their phones are gone (laughs) the she so he takes his daughter down into his basement lab and he starts editing her memories to remove the car accident and i feel like this is a slippery slope guys Pretty soon he's going to be like, hmm, I want to make sure my kids think I'm cool. (laughs) Like, insert positive memories of Steely Dan. (laughs) So he's like, he's writing code where he like can use a surfboard and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, as long as we're talking about like overusing science, I, while I was watching it, I kept thinking it would be funny if his family just kept dying over and over again and he kept <laughs> having to bring them back multiple times. I mean, that's yeah. basically the Venture Brothers at a certain point. Yeah. But, it's, but also like a... Uh, just, just, yeah. When it when it becomes really, uh, he's like, ugh. She never remembers to turn off the bathroom light when she leaves the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Let me just let me just pop her into the coder. Add that in there. Yeah, yeah. He's like removing all memory of her uh, her high school crush. <laughs> he's like that time she, that time she caught me looking at the woman who works at the yogurt place. Let's just remove that. Diddly. Yeah. He, uh, his, so Mona comes downstairs and catches him editing his daughter's brain. Uh, uh, so it's a shocking thing for any mother to see. So she calls him out on it and he like immediately fesses up. Like he immediately comes clean. I mean, what else is he going to tell her? That's the, oh, it's a new, it's a new video game we're trying out. You have to be asleep to play it. (laughs) So... He comes clean, and she starts grappling with the enormity of the fact that she is a clone. And yeah, I mean, also her. Oh wait, he she doesn't come clean about everything yet. He doesn't yeah, come yeah, clean yeah. about Zoe. He's just—it's more like just like, uh, you guys were dead, and now you're not dead. Now uh-huh. this all this kind of plays off. There's a conversation that she and and him had earlier in the movie before she died about whether people are just neurochemistry or whether they have souls. And she thinks people have souls, and Keanu Reeves doesn't. Well, he just thinks that people are made up of their their memories and their chemistry. And it's kind of uh-huh. like now she has to grapple with that. Does she have yeah. a soul or is she just a program? And it would be really cool if she had like an arc where she got to develop that stuff, but that doesn't happen. No, or an arc where she collects two of every animal and there's a huge flood. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't buy it. It seems weird. And they would call it Mona's Ark. <laughs> so then they go Christmas tree shopping. <laughs> there's a great moment where... Uh, they see a fake Christmas tree and Mona catches herself where she's like, oh, gross, I hate the fake ones. And then she realizes, wait a minute, I'm a fake ones. Uh, <laughs> fake ones, yep. <laughs> they head back home. His, uh, They're having dinner. They realize that there's some kind of that his his family realizes that the name Zoe means something. It's, it's as subtle as the daughter turns to her dad and is like, hey, dad, who's Zoe? Uh huh. And then, like, plates break, glasses break. Every uh, and he starts to he imme- like then he fesses up immediately to Mona. He explains to Mona what happened, mm-hmm. which uh, goes over about as well as you would expect. There is a great bit where they're fighting in the kitchen, and the kids are like, "Are you guys getting a divorce?" And Mona's like, "Maybe." <laughs> Keanu Reeves goes, "No," and Mona goes, "Maybe." <laughs> and I'm like, "Uh, I mean, okay, yeah, I mean that's fair." <laughs> So their their lovely family meal is interrupted by his boss Jones, who takes Keanu out onto their uh, their backyard, and he reveals that he knows everything, and that yeah he was like didn't you think it was a little easy that you did all this stuff and you're like oh yeah the movie yeah it was pretty easy to do all this and stuff and at that point I'm like kind like my brain's like spinning and I'm like wait a minute did Jones engineer the tree to fall in the car that doesn't actually turn out to be no the he case, actually says feels like I didn't create that crash but. Uh-huh. But it was a great motivator to, like, for you to figure this shit out. Yeah, so he, he knows what's going on. He knows about the clones, uh, and he wants all of uh, Keanu's research. And also, like, hey, have one lovely night with your family before they get uh, they get wiped out. Yeah, like, he, like, well, he he's does... like, the corporation has to destroy these things. He can't have them running around, which, all right, this is one of the things that I was sort of confused on. It didn't make any sense uh-huh. to me, because, like, why would anyone find out 
Like and, and why would also, anyone find out? Because there's a he- a thousand loose ends, and they have a missing daughter, and all those things. Yeah. Well, there's that, but also I don't but, even know how Keanu got another car so easily when their car is at the bottom of a lake somewhere. <laughs> but if he wanted Keanu's help, like I feel like there it's are two ju- fa- there are two car family. Yeah, but <laughs> they people, both work. People would be like, "Why are you driving around in your wife's car?" Uh, you know, we did a car swap. I mean, maybe they, maybe they share. Who cares? I, I'm saying if he wants Keanu's help at this point, it's better motivation to say. Hey, we'll help you keep your secret than being like, hey, we're going to kill your family. It's extra weird because he clearly already has assassins waiting in the drive. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. says to Keanu, have one last night with your family. And then he tells his assassins, okay, move in. So I think he's. Yeah, he's... and the assassins are nice enough to just stand on the porch and have like a little conversation <laughs> with each other. You asking about those new T16s? Have you seen them? That yeah. kind of stuff. So he, uh, he gets the drop on Jones, knocks him out with one of those giant Nintendo cartridges, mm-hmm. puts that thing in the microwave grabs his family. The kids are like, what? And he's like, I'll explain later. They all get in the car. They drive away. The assassins chase them. Uh, the assassins are right on their tail. They're like, what's going on? Oh, wait, we must have a tracking device somewhere in our spine. Mona's like, I'm on it. They go back to Mona's clinic. They lie the kids down and they uh, jolt them with some electrical juice. With defibrillators. Yep, to knock out the uh, knock out the tracking device. Now, Dan, works you're, like a, a charm. you're an electrician and a, and a, and a doctor. Would that work? Well, this was my thought when watching it. If these trackers can be knocked out by using a defibrillator on them, like why does the movie feel the need to be like, oh, these things are attached to your spine, which would suggest it was a lot harder to get rid of them. Like they could have just been like, yeah, they put trackers in you. And you would think that they would put the defibrillator on their like spine to yeah. instead of their chest, but you know, they, uh, whatever. I didn't. I didn't write the movie. I mean, if you don't use the defibrillator <laughs> as recommended then you then you have you're then it's on you it's not on the company that made the defibrillator so that's a liability mm-hmm. issue i think probably that's uh-huh. why they had to yeah. do that with the kids but you're right it's a i was i was kind of hoping that this defibrillator situation would lead to a uh, Ernest goes to jail <laughs> type of scenario where after the electricity hits them they become like superhuman and start shooting uh, electricity all over the place sure, sure electricity and magnetic powers and they chew on a pen mm-hmm. all the ink gets or, in their mouth uh, is that the plot of shocker the west craven movie yeah that's where yeah that's the same same thing okay but i mean i felt like uh this is more of like an earnest crowd than a shocker yeah, crowd. it's the origin of electro the spider-man villain it is plenty of plenty of stuff like that the uh wait i think the- Ele- electro was uh worked at a at a summer camp yeah electro worked at a <laughs> summer he was camp, later on he saved the summer stupid. camp he also saved christmas and he was scared stupid at one point <laughs> yeah i think at some point he also played basketball or something uh, i'm not even uh, sure probably right. anyway he had a friend named Vern who did not know what he meant <laughs> uh, the th- I think they're like the tracker is implanted as they're growing on their spine. I guess that they can't just like do the thing where you cut your arm open and pull out a chip. Like they want to yeah. make it uh-huh. seem hard, but then mm-hmm. they decided to make it a little bit harder. And by that I mean easier by just zapping them. This is oh I want to mention. So there was this was when Jones is telling him all that stuff earlier. He goes, "You really thought we were a company? We were a company. No one's spending this kind of money to bring dead soldiers back to life. We make weapons." My name isn't even Jones. And the rest of the movie, I was like, so what is that guy's name? Like, what's, why mm-hmm. did he have a fake name? I don't understand. You're like, I guess I'll have to wait for the credits where they reveal it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And, they, yeah, they re- it's revealed that they're not a biomedical company at all, that they are a weapons company, um, yada, yada, yada. So they uh, now that the trackers have been deactivated, they decide to go to Ed's boat, the Cheatin' Hussy, as it is called, and there, Keanu gets out and he goes running over to the boat by himself. Big mistake. Huge. He uh, he tries because to the find the keys. Because the boat works on commission. Yep. 
<laughs> you can't find the keys and you're like, wait a minute, the only other character in this movie is in on it. <laughs> uh, so his uh, the assassins show up and they drag his family off and he realizes that he's going to have to have a showdown at Bio9 uh, Research Facility or whatever. So we have all of the, all of the dominoes are in place. Uh, Jones, his family, Ed, a bunch of goons. They're mm-hmm. all at the research facility. I don't know why Ed uh, had to be at the research facility. To get his boat keys, obviously. <laughs> yeah, clearly. He, he, could, he wasn't going to use them that week. Is, is he like, look, I could wait till Monday when I get back to work, but I really had big plans for the cheat and hussy this weekend. So I'm going to need those keys, Jones. He, uh, yeah, he, and he reveals that the reason uh, that Jones knows because Jones found the bodies, the original bodies of Keanu's family that uh, Ed was too sentimental to get rid of, I uh, guess. It's too <laughs> sentimental or like a normal person who is not comfortable like getting rid of dead bodies. So yeah, instead, you're more comfortable like stacking them in a closet or something? Yeah. Like, I, I assume that he put them in the break room refrigerator with a note on okay. them that said, Will. <laughs> <laughs> so that nobody else yeah. would take them as their family. Uh, and he's uh-huh. like, I guess this will keep them fresh. I'll just put it, I got to move all these other food items out that people put in. And someone was like, hey, you're emptying the refrigerator? Usually they do that on Fridays. And he's like, uh, there's something smelly in here. So I got to uh, I gotta clean it out now, even though it's Thursday. Okay, uh, can I have that that soup right there? And they're gonna and they put their hand in and they almost touch one of the bodies. And, he, and he's like, uh-huh. Ugh, and then they grab the uh-huh. soup and take it out. And he's like, phew. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. So that's the scene. And he wipes a giant thing of sweat off of his forehead. <laughs> yeah. um, so Will shows up. He he start he talks to Jones. Jones uh, attempts to shoot his family. Big mistake. Instead, he shoots Ed, which is sad and doesn't make any. You know, it's pointless, like all violence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a little message in here. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Keanu's like, "No, I'll do it here. I'll uh, I'll I'll I'll." Finalize the research, and in the process, he puts on that dope visor I mentioned earlier. Before and, we get to the twist, uh-huh. I just want to say, I think it's funny in all of these like science fiction movies or thrillers or whatever, how quickly evil corporations just like go to shooting people. Like, yeah. like in real life, there are some pretty evil corporations out there, but they don't just like suddenly be like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna shoot people in the head. Well, it's like, that's what you think. They're like, they're like Thomas Middleditch. We had you sign an NDA that also says everything goes to arbitration if you have a problem with us. So really, you might as well just take this money, this settlement, instead of telling anybody that we're evil. And he's like, I guess I have to. Psych, shoot you in the brain. Bam. Like, <laughs> it's arbitration is the name of this bullet. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, that's a long word to write on a bullet. <laughs> Hopefully it's one of those like, long, like antique it. whaling bullets from the movie Wanted. Uh, if you can write on a rice, uh, a piece of rice, yeah, then you can write arbitration right. on a bullet. You're right. If, look, if you can really make a boy based. out of pencils, you can make a pencil out of leaves. <laughs> yeah. The... A boy out of pencils. <laughs> You're right. You use that argument every time, and you know what? I, I hate it, but I got to say, you know, I have to allow it. So Will has the the cool headset on. He sneakily transfers his consciousness into the robot mm-hmm. 345, which we see wake up and bust loose. A goon goes to, like, I don't know, investigate. And just when it looks like everything's gone bad for our hero, the robot 345, powered by the brain of Will, busts in and just starts whipping ass. Mm-hmm. And Keanu gets his family to safety, and then he's like, "Wait a minute, I have I have some business to take care of." 
And then he goes and he opens up a trunk that he's buried in his basement and he pulls out all these cool gold coins and these dope pistols uh, and a suit. Uh, no, no, I don't think <laughs> so, Stu. I think switched over to different <laughs> movie. I think that's not that one. <laughs> okay, well, then I guess he goes back and he finds uh, Jones being like choked out by Robot Him. And he's like, uh, he, they make some kind of a weird deal. This scene's kind of strange because they don't explain anything. And then he's I mean, like, yeah, it's revealed later on what's going on. But like, they make a deal for him to survive. He's like, there is another way, which I don't, I kind of didn't buy because Jones was so keen on just killing everybody. Well, and also, like, he has this change of heart at the end. Jo- but. It was like Jones isn't the CEO of the company or anything like that. Yeah. Like, he's just his boss. He goes, he goes, you kill me, they'll send other people after you. And he's like, mm, mm-hmm. let's make a deal instead. And then they kill him or he dies. And it's like. Their deal turns out well. We'll say we'll say what it is, uh, Stuart. What happens next? How many days okay, later is it? Uh, what? Seventeen days later. Mm-hmm. Seventeen days later, uh, <laughs> and we are on a beautiful beach. We see uh, we see the Foster family running around in the sand, and off in the distance, who's that? Oh, it's Keanu Reeves walking with their daughter Zoe. Huh? So I get like one of the things. Apparently, he went back for was to get Zoe's like genetic like thing to make a clone. Yeah, all the deets. Yeah, but it's like I I was like, how long has this been? Because like seventeen is days. Her body still is her body still viable? Like I, it seemed like there was this whole thing about you know like it needed to be. Fr- I don't know. It, it was a little confusing, but yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess if it's just if it's just DNA for a clone. They could do it. It's not like the memory transfer. So I, I, I rescind but, my. But I pick. think it would be the memory transfer because he does have to get her memories to put in her body. Well, I think he, I think he did take her memory before he knew that there were only three pods. Oh, so yeah, he I had see. it yeah. stored. He so had, I think that that might not be. He a had, so he has somewhere he had a huge disk drive with Zoe's memories on it. Uh, yeah, yeah, one of the mem drives. Um, and the mem drives are kind of shaped like brains a little bit. Now, did the why does the clone clone tanks? cut their hair to the exact length they were before. <laughs> well, I'll get to it later. Um, <laughs> the So yeah, we had this cool robot attack. Robot beats some ass. Uh, he makes a deal with... Oh yeah, so we, we already talked about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, then we cut to... Uh, what is it? Is it, is it Abu Dhabi? It's, it's Dubai. Dubai. Dubai, sorry. Um, and we see a, you know, a beautiful mansion and we see a an old man in a wheelchair pulls into a boardroom he has a bunch of money where we see Jones apparently whole and healthy. And Very hale like, and hearty, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, uh, okay, you want to buy yourself a new clone body? And uh, then we see Robot Will wearing a suit. <laughs> and he's like, boot mapping sequence. And we're like, hell yeah, guitar sting. And that's cut the end of the credits. movie. Yeah, I mean, it does cut uh, to like so a, that a is the song. Obviously, that is the horrifying twist at the end of the movie. <laughs> and so the deal, I guess, is that leave me and my family alone, and I'll leave behind the robot version of me, Who and now you can go into business selling new bodies to rich, bad people. Yeah. Which, yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess the whole thing is he wants his family to be left alone if he doesn't, he doesn't mind the... Uh, what I'm assuming to be horrifying negative effects that this technology yeah, no, it's will like, have. It's, it's a total deal with the devil situation. Yeah. But. And, uh, and and he's doomed robot Will to have to perform this stuff and I guess hang out with Jones. Like well, Jones I mean, is like has... Jones is like, come out and have a drink, come on. And Robot Will's like, I guess I gotta hang out with this guy. He is my boss. Ugh, this is so irritating. But I like I the mean, idea of <laughs> wait, the scene that they should have had where they take uh-huh. Robot Will to a tailor to get him measured uh-huh. for that suit. Uh huh. 
I mean, Robot Will is doomed. And, and the tailor's like, I don't normally do suits for mannequins because they have to pretend that the robot isn't a robot, that it's just a mannequin. Oh, I assumed it would be, he's like, he's like, I've never done a suit for a robot before. This will be the first thing ever. I have to rewrite the rules. The inseam is totally different because you don't have a penis. There's nothing there. What are we going to do for the inseam? It's like, I don't know. Figure it out, Giuseppe. This is, you're the best. And now you're going to finally have the dream of a lifetime. <laughs> you're the best. <laughs> but we brought the, the best tailor. He was in retirement, but we pulled him back in. They, they uh, caught yep, him. He, he, was, he, he was at a cabin. Uh, he wasn't chopping wood, but he was sewing blankets, yeah. like sweaters for trees, yeah. knitting sweaters it's for like, trees. That part of my life is over. <laughs> uh-huh. And then he, they're like, no, you got to do it. So he goes into his basement and he breaks open the concrete and he pulls the giant cool trunk out. Yep. Yeah. It's full of gold coins and a suit that he made for a robot years ago. <laughs> yeah. They told me uh, I was guys. crazy to make this robot suit. They told me I was crazy. They asked me to make a robot suit, so I made a suit that would fit a robot. They said no. They wanted more like an Iron Man thing that a person would wear to turn them into a robot. I said, that's not what I do. I'm a tailor. I don't make And those. technically, that's not a robot. <laughs> it's like Boba Fett. Not a robot. It's a guy in there. <laughs> it's sort of an exoskeleton. Um... So we've told the story of replicas. Let's go to our final judgments, whether it's a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie kind of like. Guys, before we got together today, I thought that my opinion might be more of an uphill climb than I think it may be. No, I think this is not a serenity situation, Dan, where you fall in love with a movie that is objectively awful. (laughs) No, no, yeah, I kind of liked this movie. Like, obviously, from what we were saying today, like, they're huge... Plot holes, like weird things about the movie, mm-hmm. like robots. Those don't exist. <laughs> but when I well, I mean, yeah, they do. But okay. Anyway, <laughs> when I say when I say kind of like, I mean, like the emphasis is on kinda. I'm not saying this is great or anything, but it kind of reminded me of say you're watching premium cable in the middle of the night in the '90s, uh-huh. and a movie like a little sci-fi thriller comes on. Uh, clearly low budget, but it's got a star in it, and you watch it, and you're like, you know what? I kind of like this. This is mm-hmm. not so bad. Mm-hmm. It's got some interesting ideas in it. Yeah, that you, you say to the dark corners of your living room while you're watching TV later. <laughs> say to my cat. <laughs> you say, this is not so bad. I kind of like it. Now, will you let me go? No. <laughs> uh, you have to stay here. I was going to say the exact same thing, Dan. I kind of liked it, and it reminded me a lot of in the 90s when movies like Screamers and stuff like that were being released. Just uh-huh. kind of like these the kind net. of low to middle budget science fiction movies that were usually loosely based off of like Philip K. Dick short stories. And it would be like, okay, there's a recognizable person in it and it's not great, but it's not terrible and it's fine. And the one flaw this movie kind of has, which is a big flaw, is that like I was really enjoying it up until he cloned his family. And then once he cloned them, it kind of didn't know what to do with them. Like, there's yeah. a couple ways to go. It could be a pet cemetery thing and they go bad, or it could be that he has to keep hiding things from them and they eventually find out. And, but like, mm, like a French farce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lots of door slams. But instead, it, yeah, he has to keep hiding fiancés in other rooms. That would be really <laughs> funny, by the way. Like, if, if you wrote a science fiction farce, like, like a very, like, like 100% old style farce, but it's based on a science fiction premise. I'd like to see that. I, I mean, I don't but, know how you would slam all those visit portals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the anyway, uh, but I think it was kind of like that, that like the movie kind of didn't know what to do once they were back. And so mm-hmm. it went for kind of the laziest thing, which is they're on the run from some kind of evil company. But even that is a pretty 90s thing. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. This is like a solid like two and a half star movie, I would say. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm. I, I think I think we're all in agreement, guys. I'm. I'm in the kind of like. Uh, yeah, the ending, like the last third of the movie, isn't any good except for the cool robot. I mean, uh, I thought the very ending was fun. Oh I mean, yeah, that was. To I see mean, a it was robot wearing a, a suit is great. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The but yeah, I, I wish they could have explored, especially since they make a point of having uh, the the you know. Keanu Reeves and uh, Alice Eve have this like the the only conversation they really have before the car accident is one about like you know uh, the philosophy of a soul yeah. and yet you would I would hope that like after she realizes that she's a uh, a clone that she would have some chance to to like actualize or think about it but that doesn't happen. No, she's her yeah. her character like. She doesn't get that much to do, and it feels like they were like, oh, uh-huh. well, we'll make it so that she can – it's her idea how to stop those trackers at the end. But, like, yeah. there's not a lot – none of the characters have much personality except for Keanu Reeves and Thomas Middleditch, and they kind of provide that personality, the two of them. Yeah. But, you know. And and I have a lot of affection for the fact that all the outdoor scenes, you can hear cokey frogs <laughs> chirping. <laughs> yeah, because it reminds you of your, of your many honeymoons. Mm-hmm. I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott, and we're the host of Everything's, Everything's Coming, Coming Up, Simpsons. Simpsons. Every episode, we cover a different episode of The Simpsons that is a favorite of our special guests. We've had guests that are showrunners and writers and voice actors like Nancy Cartwright. I got a D minus, I passed! And we've also had people that are on the Max Fun Network already. We've had Weird Al Yankovic on the show. I was just uh, struck by how sharp the writing is. I mean, that's yeah. no surprise because it's The Simpsons, but I mean, like, you can't say that about a lot, a lot of TV shows, particularly ones that at that point had been on the air for 14 years. Find us on MaximumFun.org, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, smell you later. Going into a Bullseye interview, I know it's somebody who does amazing work, but it's an actual conversation. I don't know where it's headed. <laughs> hey, these are this, this, this is the straight talk that, that you're going to get on this show. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm in therapy. I think you, you, I got more out of you than the therapist I went to twice. <laughs> Bullseye. Creators you know, creators you need to know. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Let's move on to, uh, we got a few ads. Oh, cool. Well, actually, one only one ad per se, but a couple of Jumbotrons too. The first wait, ad, wait, though. Before we, oh yeah, let's, should, should we, uh, after that, should we talk about our live shows coming up or should we do the, the, these first? We always do the ads first, Elliot. I have no idea why you felt the need to stop the podcast to <laughs> to why. ask the question of whether we should do that thing first or the other thing Maybe first. Maybe I am slowly trying to gaslight you into thinking you don't know how the podcast works. <laughs> okay. Anyway, with uh, our first ad, uh, the, the Flophouse is supported in part by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can create a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into a new website. That's mm-hmm. two websites in the same sentence, but you can do it. <laughs> if you have a cool idea, why not make it a website? Why have it rattle around in your brain where no one can enjoy it? No one can click on your brain unless there's Kenny Reeves. Yep. With your website, you can blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, or, you know, whatever your little heart desires to do on the internet. I don't know why I called your heart little, Stuart. You're, you're a big-hearted guy. Uh, about that. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen Untamed Heart? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Squarespace features beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 
extensions, analytics that help you grow in real time, 24-7, award-winning customer support. Make it stand out. Stand out with a beautiful website from Squarespace. Before I give the offer code, Elliot, is there anything you would like to say about Squarespace? I'm very glad you asked. I have an idea for a website based on something that happened earlier in this podcast, uh, and I was wondering if Squarespace could help me. Now, earlier, uh, Stuart referred to a Keanu, which is not how <laughs> Keanu Reeves' his name is. And, uh, That's... and I wanted to – I had a website idea that I had, and it's – it's really to sell a product, and it's called www.pianokeys.com. Now these are wait a minute. These are piano wait, keys. How, how how did I say it? You said Keanu. What? How, how how am I supposed to say it? Keanu. Oh, okay. So anyway, uh, so but I said, but I said Keanu. Yes. Yes. I can confirm. So I was thank there. you. So these are instead of Keanu. Yes. Keanu. Keanu. So these are. So these are replacement piano keys. Each one has the face of Keanu Reeves on it, or alternately, all the keys combined to make one giant picture of Keanu Reeves. Who among us has not wanted and dreamed of playing piano with Keanu Reeves' face? I know I have mm-hmm. ever since I heard Stuart say that. And so just go to Keanu.com, KeanuKeys.com, if Squarespace will allow me to make it. So, Dan, do you think it's possible that I can finally achieve my dream of playing piano on Keanu Reeves' <laughs> face, thanks to Squarespace? You can. Just go to Squarespace.com slash flop. For a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Uh, Dan, oh, I, I said Keanu? You said Keanu. Yes. Uh, now, Dan, I had another idea for a website. I just want to—it's oh, called boy. based on the idea of this movie. Uh, it's called www.erasemysibling.com. Now, we all know okay. what it's like. You've got a sibling. They're either stealing the spotlight or they're always irritating you. Why don't you pull a Zoe and erase them from everybody's memories with erasemysibling.com? Let's say that something's name is David. Just a uh, just a pick let's a just name. Let's pick a name out of out of nowhere. Let's just call him David Kalen. Let's say <laughs> you want to erase him because you are tired of hearing about what the Mets did in 1987. All right. Just go to erase Thanks, Squarespace. But it's, Offer code fly. But it's pronounced Keanu. <laughs> Keanu. Keanu. Okay, yeah. if you say so. <laughs> uh, Elliot, do you have a Jumbotron you want to read? I do have a Jumbotron I would love to read. So this Jumbotron is a special personal message. It's from Josh to Abby, spelled A-B-I, and the message is, you're the castle freak to my Stuart, the singing in the rain to my Elliot, and the random movie on a plane to my Dan. I love you through the good bad, the bad bad, and all the moments we kind of like. You're kicking ass as a husband. I'm so proud of who you are and how you've lived your life for another year. Happy birthday, Foxy. So that's really nice. And maybe it's Abby. I apologize if I mispronounced that name. Let's have another Jumbotron for the Jumbo Train. Keep that thing a rolling. Uh, this okay. <laughs> Wait, I so was, it's the Jumbo I'm, Train? I'm doing, a th- I'm doing It's a new thing I'm trying. So is it a larger than average train? <laughs> yeah, it's a larger than average train that can aco- uh, that can accommodate jumbotrons on it. Okay, because jumbotrons are just messages. You could just put them. In, I mean, trains carry mail. Maybe yeah. maybe it's a train for the the elephant jumbo. In- oh, a circus train. I like it. In any case, this message is for Rebecca. The, this message is from Lizzie. Happy birthday, my dude! Many snortle returns. You're now the age I was when we met. Fucked up or what? Thank you for letting me share in your impeccable taste, amazing art, and chill vibes. <laughs> I'm so glad we're friends to the tune of Super Freak. He's a castle freak, castle freak, 
East Castle, freaky. Yow. Wow. Stuart, you brought a lot of flavor to that one. I appreciated that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's what they get when they get a Stuart reading <laughs> that jumbo train. Uh-huh. That's that special taste. Hey, Elliot. Yes. Why don't you tell us about the live shows, and maybe we'll mention them again at the end of the show, just for people who skip the ads. Oh, that's a great idea. Uh, or I mean, people who just like listening to the last uh, like couple minutes of all podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll have to mention, uh, so this episode is being released on a day of a show, right, Dan? Uh, yes. This is so, on. So today, if you're listening to this on the day this is released, Saturday, June 8th, we are performing tonight in Portland, Oregon, at Revolution Hall. We're going to be talking about the movie Holmes and Watson. Oh boy, I've heard it's a great movie. I'm super excited about it. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see how they screw up Dan McCoy's favorite fictional character. This is, yeah, this is going to make me very Victoria. angry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Dan will be really mad. So that's tonight, if you're listening to this, the day of release, Saturday, June 8th, at Portland, Oregon, Revolutionary Hall, Revolution Hall. Uh, but we've got some other shows coming up in July. On July 13th, that's a Saturday. It's one day before my brother's birthday until I erase him on EraseMySibling.com. July 13th, uh-huh. it's we're in Minneapolis at the Parkway. Minneapolis, it's going to be really exciting. I don't know what movie we're doing yet, but I've been looking forward to doing Minneapolis for a long time. Then, in September, Saturday September 28th, we're going to be in Boston at WBUR City Space. Two shows. The 7 p.m. is sold out, but there's still some tickets available for the 945 show. That's September 28th in Boston. If you're over in Boston, a real Bostonian, if you will. I don't know why I said that like it's a joke. It's just what they call people yep. from there. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll be there. And then finally, you're, in the you're fall. you're tired of eating beans, come on down. <laughs> if you're tired uh, of eating <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you could be tired of eating beans. They're delicious. <laughs> Yeah, and you can have them for breakfast, lunch, dinner, everything. And they make you fart, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's like the old uh, saying, if you're tired of eating beans, you're tired of life. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's what I always say. Uh, and then finally, October 12th, we're going to be back in Los Angeles, my new hometown, back at the Regent Theater, this time with a twist. Stuart will be with us. Hooray! Unless mm-hmm. Stuart somehow injures himself again, but hopefully not. We've hired a team of thugs to surround him at all times to keep him safe. Yep, to to keep punching my back back into the right uh, shape. <laughs> yep. And so, just to, just to, anytime I slouch. So, just to recap, that's tonight, June eighth in Portland. If you're listening to this on the day of release, then we're in Minnesota, Minneapolis. That is on July thirteenth. Then we're in Boston, Massachusetts, on September twenty eighth, and finally Los Angeles, California, on October twelfth. That's all the live shows we've got scheduled for now. I don't know. Maybe there'll be more later. Okay, uh, there are a couple things I want to say before we get through the business section of mm-hmm. the show. Uh, as you hear this, the submission period for the t-shirt contest will be over. I actually hadn't talked to the guys about how we're going to pick a winner, but here's what I suggest to you. I, I would say that the three of us together pick maybe three to six options that are okay. our favorites. I'm glad we're working through this on air. And then allow the... <laughs> people to vote on those options cool yeah i'm just glad that we got that good? many submissions i hadn't heard a lot about yeah. this for a while oh so was, we got a ton of, i was worried there'd be no submissions. submissions i will uh i'll put them in a you uh, don't know dan's always bragging about his submissions <laughs> i'll put them all in a shared drive so you guys can see them well, i know we'll, dan was talking we'll about his nocturnal out. submissions was that the same thing uh-huh Ooh. uh so talk I, about a sleeper <laughs> hold <laughs> so we'll we will need a little time on our own to pick out the short list so uh-huh. that that poll will not be up right away, but keep watching the website, and when it's up, we'll we'll say on on the air. Cool. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing, I don't like. There's no need to belabor this for a long time, but I just wanted to let people know. I am aware that this podcast has not always had the best audio. Mm-hmm. Impossible. Uh, 
it, it should be no surprise to anyone that I'm first and foremost not an audio engineer. And the good people at Max Fun were kind enough to offer a little help. So from now on, a lot of the engineering job is going to go over to them. Hopefully that'll make the podcast sound better. Yep. It'll take the least fun part of doing the podcast off of my plate, so I'll be happier, and uh, maybe everyone listening will be happier going forward. I mean, That's right. They're going to get rid of Stuart and replace me with some kind of a robot. Yeah. yeah. So the important point is, if the sound is no longer is not good on an episode, no longer complain to me. Wow. Dan, way to throw under the <laughs> oh, bus yeah, the people who are helping us out of the goodness of their hearts. I, I did not say, I did not say complain to them. Yet. I did not say complain to them. I'm saying stop bothering me. Uh, yeah. but, so who are they supposed to complain to? Uh, maybe just to don't God? complain in general. Okay. Yeah. No. Two, Shake your fist at the heavens. Two things. One, I'm very excited about this turn. Mm-hmm. But two, I'm kind of disappointed I'll no longer have the fun experience of riding the volume in my car while I review an episode as Dan and Stuart's voices <laughs> jump from too loud to do quiet even though they're sitting literally a foot away from each other. I'm going to miss that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I, you know, I, I rock back and forth. I like, I have a, like a, a sandwich place yeah. just out of reach that I'm like leaning back to take bites out of. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it's I, hanging from a fishing line from the ceiling. So you can just take bites without picking it up with your hands. I yeah. am very thankful to Maximum Fun for taking this off my plate. And I'm very grateful. And thank you to mm-hmm. the editor who's listening for the first time this episode. Thanks. But uh, now I think we can move on, right? Uh, yeah, what do we... Business, I mean, can sir? we move on? Uh, yeah, well, let's just move on. Dan, you okay. seemed like you still had some emotional stuff that you wanted to deal with. No, no, no. I just want to check. I didn't want to steamroll Stu if he had something. If I had some kind of cool business? Yeah. Sadly, I don't. Okay. Guys, you know the life of a podcasting bartending bar owner is <laughs> a quiet oh, yeah. one. That old thing. <laughs> you know, the normal 9 to 5, that's 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, I love that you said like, that as if it was super cool, but it's like that sounds terrible to me. Uh, I guess the moral of this is: I guess you don't like hanging out with cool vampires. <laughs> I don't, but I guess let's definitely move on now to letters. Oh, actually, that no, I'll I'll waste a bunch of time if you want me to. Okay. I, I should apologize. You... This episode, I introduced three new characters last episode, and I haven't introduced any mm. in this one. So I think I'll steal from my son. Stuart mentioned vampires yesterday. Sammy invented a character, Evil Sammy, who drinks blood. So uh, maybe is I'll he bring a the... vampire? Or does he just drink blood for the iron? That was mm-hmm. hard to tell. Uh huh. Okay. I think it would also make a human pretty sick if they're just drinking. Is that blood. the? Yeah. Is he evil and? Other ways, or does he just drink blood? Nope, just the blood drinking. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, letters from listeners like you. The uh-huh. first letter is from Lowell. Who writes? That's a town. That's not a person. It's a town in Massachusetts. Wow. The whole town got together and wrote us a letter. I like to think it arrived on a huge piece of paper that they wrote with a giant quill. Sure. And everyone uh, in town helped to move it. <laughs> this first letter goes like this. A bunch of end-of-year lists included Ariana Grande's Thank You Next as not only one of the best songs of the year, but some kind of game-changing announcement of musical genius. I played it, and all I heard was someone repeating, You are too old. We need that food you're eating. Get out of the way. Mm -hmm. I realize that isn't a movie, but are there films that made you feel like you've outlived your usefulness? For me, it might be the Wachowski's Speed Racer. I fully expect Elliot to say, I'm a father, so I'm still useful. I'm not so I'm I'm not so I'm really waiting on Dan and Stewart's answers. All asinine humor aside, thank you for what you do. 
Lowell. Uh, no, I will say, as a father, as I mentioned earlier, you are an obstacle in between your children and whatever they want at that moment. So you feel mm-hmm. very useless a lot of the time. Yeah. And also, you have to die off for them to thrive. <laughs> Elliot doesn't know what to do with that. No, that's <laughs> the m- most horrifying thing you could say to me, because I want nothing more than for them to thrive. But I'm not ready to shuffle off this mortal coil just yet. Uh, Stuart, what should I do? How do I s- square this circle? I don't, I don't know, man. This is hilarious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I'm. Uh, I mean, speed racer is kind of like eating a giant bowl of sugary cereal. I haven't revisited in a while, and maybe I should. I mean, for like, I'm trying to think of movies that make me feel old, but like, there's a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of television that makes me feel old, and like, I don't know. Like, there's. A lot of other entertainment feels like if I had encountered it when I was a teenager, like what, like the Umbrella Academy TV show, if I'd encountered it when I was a teenager, I would be like, whoa, this is amazing and groundbreaking. But as an adult, I'm like, well, I've seen all these tropes done a million other times and better. So I don't I don't need this in my life. Um, I don't know. I mean, it might be because I am at heart very immature. But I feel like no. I, I feel like I remain. Come on, no. Dan is like a seventy-five-year-old baby. He's like the combination of of a lot of elements of an old yeah. man and a child. Yeah, it's true. But I feel like uh, my brain remains young, particularly around entertainment. I do feel like I'm open to just you know staying with whatever new thing comes along. But there are movies like the best I could come up with is something like Michael Bay's Transformers movies. Uh-huh. Where I look at it, I'm like, I don't know. Maybe someone with a younger brain than mine finds some sort of reason in this visual madness that is going on. This like completely disjointed, cutting, no sense of spatial geography, like yeah. all that stuff. Like maybe that works for someone who grew up with a faster pace than in entertainment than I did. I don't know. Yeah, people with brains that are able to make logical leaps that the story doesn't allow or yeah. afford. I think it's there aren't. I, yeah, similarly, I've never been on the pulse of popular entertainment. To be honest, to, I frankly, no. well, the fact, but that, based on your movie recommendations, exactly. I mean, to be honest, the fact that the Avengers movies are so huge makes me feel much more of the moment than I was for most of my life. But. If I feel old when I think about how old the movies that I grew up with are, when I think about like how Ghostbusters is a 35-year-old movie, like that makes me feel pretty old. But to be honest, it's like uh, the music does it and some of the other stuff. But when I watch – this is also Marvel movies. But like When I watched Guardians of the Galaxy in the theaters for the first time, I, my reaction to it was like, oh, this is a really fun movie. Did they have to swear so much? Like, did there have to be so much <laughs> shooting? And that's when I knew I had gotten a little old. Was when mm-hmm. when uh, he goes, "We're the Guardians of the Galaxy, bitch!" And I was like, "No, that was an unearned swear. I'm sorry, young man. That was unexpected." You're like, I can't believe that Freddy Krueger got uh, got a spot in this team, but I guess he is a misfit. <laughs> or, or how in, in Avengers Endgame they say shit a lot more than I thought they would, and I was like, "All right, well, I guess that's I guess that's okay to say in your movies now." So. Yeah, you looked around to make sure your parents weren't in the back to yeah. yell at you for watching this movie. And there's that weird part where Captain America talked about fucking Thanos in the ass, and it was like, wow, Captain America, I mean, you didn't even swear at the beginning. I mean, now he's you're pushed just going, to extremes, Dan. I mean, I didn't, yeah. think it was a, also, I didn't think it was extreme when he said it, but I thought it was extreme when they showed it on screen. Not that I disapproved, mm-hmm. but just in a PG-13 movie, to have yeah, any sort of, weird. I mean, to see penetration in a PG-13 movie, especially between Captain America and the villain of the movie, I mean... Mm-hmm. 
the fact that it was not done in a hostile way, but in a moment of intimacy between them, that it was a moment of genuine mm-hmm. warmth and yeah. loving, I thought was really mm-hmm. nice that Thanos made himself vulnerable and they both received pleasure from it. I thought it was a yeah. really positive message, but I just thought it was strange to see it in such graphic you know, extreme visceral detail uh, yeah, on camera. Yeah, it's like, natural, but although he is an alien. The scene was so long, like it went on for about 16 minutes, and <laughs> at a certain point, all I could think about was how much computer rendering they had to do for to show all of the little, like, pimples and things on Thanos' butt. So, like, at a certain point, it lost its its visceral appeal to me. But I mean, just that the way you describe it, it sounds like it was more visceral than you expected. I mean, in some ways. Yeah. I mean, it was more visceral in a certain point where I got into it and I was like, yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm glad to see them expressing an emotion other than anger at each other. To express arousal, to express consensual uh-huh. pleasure, to express mutual uh-huh. kind of like, it doesn't have to be love, but mutual sort of like intimacy in that way. But to happen in the middle of the big fight scene at the end was a little weird, just for pacing purposes. Yeah, well, that went on for a while. Um, I wanted to mention... <laughs> Dan, you introduced the idea. We're putting the new editor through the paces. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to mention in the context of this letter, uh, I think I might have said it on the podcast before, but I, it's a funny story, so I, I like it. Okay, better get, pull up a bag of popcorn. <laughs> talking about talking about being old and entertainment, I just remember the time when my grandfather walked into the room when my brothers and I were watching Beetlejuice on TV, and he walked in... The, the movie or the cartoon show? The, the movie. Okay. He walked in, star. watched about four minutes of the movie, said, this just seems like so much foolishness to me, and walked out. <laughs> and you know what? I can't argue with that. No. But uh, the foolishness is the point, I guess. I love, so, now I imagine yeah. that your your grandfather is like, and maybe this is true. I don't know. It's like an old country parson. Like just a, he has a like a, a parson. He was a minister. Yes, but he's got like he a was. he's like a puritan with a hat with a buckle on it, and he's like so mm-hmm. much foolishness. Uh, I mean, it's not that far off. But <laughs> uh, that you, but that also reminds me of when uh, when uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch came out on DVD, and my mom was like, "Have you seen this movie?" And I was like, "Yeah, I thought it was great." And she started watching it. And she said. I stopped it partway through. That movie's for younger people. And I was like, all right. Okay, okay interesting review, Mom. Uh, this next letter is from Malin, who writes, Dear Original Peaches, I started listening to the podcast exactly three years ago, just before taking my A-levels and leaving school. Happy so, anniversary! From the UK, I assume. Uh, I find I finally finished oh, your... Oh, wow, real Sherlock Holmes on that yeah. case. <laughs> I finally finished your back catalog. <laughs> <laughs> the night before my final exam at university, another clue. Ah, <laughs> uh, the noose is tightening around this victim, this culprit. <laughs> I'm now beginning to to think about finding a real person job and finding it pretty difficult. Partly because I'm not very organized, and partly because I don't really know what I want to do yet. I wanted to ask, what were your first jobs after graduating college? You all seem to have cool careers now. How soon did you decide what you wanted to do? Is it okay to take a boring or unambitious job for a few years, or should I be trying to start my dream career immediately? Sorry for treating you like a careers advice service. To add a movie-related question, what's your favorite movie set in a workplace? Um, I'm talking about movies that are primarily about the job rather than just have an office in them. Thanks for helping a confused young woman through some confusing years. I love the show. Malin. Does Brazil count as a movie set at a workplace? Kinda, sure. yeah. Okay. For the purposes of this question, let's say yes. Then I'd say maybe uh-huh. Brazil and maybe the apartment. Even though it's called mm-hmm. the apartment, it's about his job more than anything else. Uh, yeah. I would probably say I don't know nine to five. Yeah, because it's still eerily 
like prescient. <laughs> and I missed that part of the email because I was focused on the career advice, so I have nothing. But let's move on to the career thing. I would say... Yeah, uh, let's just say chairman of the board for Dan Star and Carrot Top. <laughs> By the way, if you have not seen Norm MacDonald talking about chairman of the board on Conan, <laughs> look that up. It is maybe the funniest thing that's ever happened on that show. Yeah, I would say don't I would like I would like to give the message don't worry about it over much right now. Like don't stress yourself out over much. Like be ambitious, but I after school did not immediately know what I wanted to do. I first I went up to Minneapolis and I was up there basically just because a friend of mine from college needed a roommate and I'm like why the hell not? I've got no plans. Mm-hmm. was up there for a little while. Then I went to graduate school because I had thought I was going to be a film director. I had wanted to do that for years. Went into school for that. Dropped out because I realized I actually did not want to do that. Came to New York at the time with my fiance because she had work up here. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe I would act. During the course of that, I realized that while I was not a bad actor and if I de- dedicated myself to it, maybe I could make something of myself... It was not my forte. I was much better at writing and specifically comedy writing. I sort of drifted into that. That said, once I realized that's what I wanted to do, even though I was taking very menial jobs to make money, I was doing a lot of comedy at night. And frankly, while I was on the job. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So... I don't know. That's, I guess that I'm, describes Dan's workplace behavior pretty accurately, right, yeah. Elliot? I mean, judging by his Twitter feed and the voluminous uh, contributions you, to it, qualities Elliot, I will not judge right now. Elliot, you worked at the same show. You realize that there are periods of intense work and periods of a lot of downtime. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Time when you could be working on pitches, maybe wandering into people's offices to see if you could help out, uh, maybe, uh-huh. maybe moving props maybe around. Maybe writing a side project with Hallie, which is what you did. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, assumed he, I, I assumed you were working really hard on some kind of lucid dreaming-based project. I mean, mm-hmm. D- Dan, to be honest, while I, was, while I was a writer at The Daily Show, I was also writing a weekly newspaper column, working on a side project with Hallie, writing a Spider-Man comic book, and a bunch of other things. So I can't tell you hey, don't do other stuff at your job. Just maybe something more productive than Twitter. That's all I'm saying. I, ru- I help run this fucking podcast. That's what I do. <laughs> now, Elliot, uh, do you have advice? Stuart, do you have advice? Yeah, I mean, when I when I finished school, uh, I finished with a, uh, what, an English degree, and I kind of hoped to, like, write and draw my own comics. And when I, I moved to New York shortly after school and I got a gig uh, that I thought was just going to be a temporary thing and it ended up being something that I enjoyed a lot more and became kind of passionate about. Um, and that kind of took, uh, took over my life for a while, even though it was retail and retail is brutal. But yeah, I've been very lucky. Uh, that was Warhammer, right? It That's was, yeah, it was, I was working for Games Workshop. And then, uh, and I realized that retail kind of isn't for me. And I was really lucky to have an opportunity to break into uh, neighborhood bartending and I've, I, that kind of, I, I feel like that fit my skill set and my, uh, like my mix of love of responsibility and lack of responsibility. <laughs> um, and it, uh, yeah, and I've been doing that for a while and I've been lucky to be surrounded, like in, in all parts of my pro- professional career, I've been lucky to surround myself with much more competent people so I can just kind of coast along, baby. 
<laughs> that's good advice and that's and that's afforded me many and that's afforded me a lot of really cool opportunities that uh my advice is if you have an opportunity that seems similar to something you'd like to do and you but you haven't ever tried it try it out uh yeah i have a my my career path well people are familiar with it after they made that movie about me but uh mm-hmm. it's called I mean, yours was much more direct than it's called boy on the go the elliot kalen yeah. story i mean i thought I, it was uh munchies <laughs> <laughs> uh it was critters they made critters about me uh oh wow i always knew i wanted to be a writer since i was about 12 or 13 or even a little younger so like i went to school for writing and i was always pointed like a missile towards that job but it took me a while to get there I mean, in the long scheme of things, not that long, but I started The Daily Show right after college as a production assistant and was lucky enough that every time I was getting, feeling like my, I was in a rut and I had to leave and go do something else, they would offer me a different job or I would apply for a different job and get moved up a little bit. So mine is a special case in that like I always knew what I wanted to do and I still want to do that. I thought I would write for movies. Maybe that'll happen sometime. I don't know. But so I would say is like, if you don't know exactly what you want to do, that's totally okay. And to take a menial job or just a job you don't care about in the meantime is totally fine because the number one thing you need to do is make enough money to provide yourself with food and shelter. Like that's the number one most important thing and you should not lose sight of that. And there is something valuable to just having a job that allows you to live at the level of comfort that you want to live at. But also, if you have a job you don't care about, it opens up so much of your brain space to really think about the other things you want to do and mm-hmm. what you what's better for you to be involved in outside of your work activities that might scratch that itch more and help you explore and find out what you really want to do. And like Stuart was saying, any opportunity that comes up that seems like you might be into it, you might as well go ahead and take it or at least try it. And maybe that will take you to the place where you're like, oh, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm really satisfied by. And also that I can hopefully make a career out of. And it's like if you have a great ambition and a compulsion to do something creative, then you should try to make a living out of that. But if you don't, then try out lots of different things. Like I know lots of people who have had many multiple different types of jobs and eventually they find one they really like a lot and there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's no failure in being at a job for a a few years and deciding this isn't what I want and trying something else. Don't think that – you need to start your career right now or you'll never be successful and you've wasted any time because you won't have. So is that good practice for when you have a have that important conversation with Sammy? Oh, very much so. I've started having that conversation with him a little bit where I'm like, Sammy, I want you when you grow up, I want you. I to, know you want to drive a garbage truck. Well, no, not but anymore. You're going to be a podcaster like daddy. Yep. You're going to fill my shoes. Uh, that's it. And he's like, I don't want to be on your podcast. And I'm like, you're going to say some stuff. But uh, he's told me already what jobs he wants when he grows up. He wants to be a scientist, a cab driver, uh, <laughs> okay. an architect, and someone who takes things out of boxes and puts them on shelves in a grocery store. <laughs> so those are his four <laughs> career options. Well, the good thing is he's giving himself a wide span. Yeah, exactly. And I've said to him many times, as long as you're happy with what you're doing and supporting yourself, that's all I care about. As long as you don't go into investment banking or hedge fund management or anything else uh-huh. where you are slowly eating away at the the things that make life livable for most of the people in the world. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or uh, or you, you're the person who makes those uh, 1877 Cash Now commercials or something. Oh, the cars for kids and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, no, I, I told him, I'm like, Sammy, reverse mortgages are something you should go into. You basically oh, steal man. old people's houses, and then they have to pay you to live in them. And then if they don't pay enough, you kick them out and you sell that house to somebody else. And he's like, isn't yeah. that mean? And I'm like, it's mean of the old people to make an agreement that they can't live up to the terms of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Guys, William Devane tells me I should get into gold. Should I get into gold? Well, gold has never been worth zero. Yeah. Wow, the Roger Moore movie gold? Yes. Oh, with the most amazing title sequence. <laughs> Let's move on to the next letter. It's from Dan, last name withheld. I've been meaning... Wait, this has been Dan a, McCoy? What? Yes, this has been my inbox for a while. I've been meaning to get to it. It slipped my mind last time. It's but... like, hey guys, who do you think is going to win the 2016 election? I've got some ideas <laughs> about it. Oh, Dan. Uh, oh, sorry, Dan. Dan says, on a fateful day in September, the year 2011, I took a stand for the truth. I never asked to be the voice of America's conscience, but when I heard a drunk man on a podcast erroneously claim that a freak ripped off his own ding-dong while living in a castle, I had to act. Oh, I can't wait to hear the rest of this fun story. (laughs) A year later, Dan McCoy took a stand alongside me. I was ecstatic to have a fellow traveler in my quest for the truth. In a follow-up email titled, Vindication... I called Dan the Bernstein to my Woodward. I was so grateful for Dan's support that I let him be the cool one. Smash cut to 2019. Trump is in the White House. Snowden is living in Moscow. America has lost its innocence or something. And Joe Bob Briggs is finally on the flophouse. I was thrilled at the prospect of Mr. Briggs weighing in on the greatest controversy in the history of podcasts, if not cinema. Mm -hmm. So imagine my dismay when Dan McCoy claimed that he was the first person to notice that the Castle Freak (laughs) didn't rip off his own (laughs) ding-dong. You didn't just betray me, Mr. McCoy. You betrayed the truth. The American people await your apology. Sincerely, Dan, last name withheld. Mm -hmm. Uh, Keep up the good work, guys. I just realized I've been listening for nearly a decade, so I think you're my family now? Mm-hmm. That's uh, from sorry. Here. Sorry about them early ones. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I would like to apologize. I I remember this now. I remember that 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 the email is what. Oh, you put remember me on the when you were watching this movie that uh, Stuart was right and he rips no, off his own no. dick. That's what <laughs> no, you're saying. No, no the email sorry to finish put your sentence. It was just of... that was kind of the breadcrumbs were leading me to it. Yeah, I was not the uh, the uh, whistleblower in the situation. It was Dan. Actually, Other Dan. Okay. actually, Dan, I have an apology to make. Uh, yeah, there's a reason that you didn't remember that you weren't the whistleblower, and it's hard for me to reveal this truth to you. But Dan, a few years ago, do you remember when we were going on that boat vacation, and we were uh, driving I mean, to the only boat? Only vaguely. Only uh, it's like it's it's pretty fuzzy for some reason. Yeah, uh, Dan, there was a car crash, and you actually died on the way there. And uh-huh. cool. when I brought you back to life. I saw. <laughs> oh, cool! <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's objectively cool. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. When I when I brought you back to life, I didn't have your brainwaves, and so mm. I had to recreate them from memory. And for a few places where I wasn't sure what to do, I used a cat's memory, <laughs> oh. a cat's memory, Dan. And okay. I think in the place where you should have remembered Dan originally bringing this to your attention, you might remember pooping in a box full of sand. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, who among us hasn't pooped in a box full of sand? I mean, sometimes you just got to go and somebody else is in the normal bathroom <laughs> yeah. and you're like, well, well how's the sand here? And you're like, yeah, I mean, step aside, muscles. I'm going to use this one. Yeah, I mean, I paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Dan, I should apologize. I must have erased that memory or rather never remembered it and put a cat memory so, instead. So, mm-hmm. Elliot, how often do you use the I paid for it argument where you Put on a pair of Sammy's pull-ups. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, Sammy is toilet trained. He's five years old. He no longer wears diapers. 
I don't I don't keep track of everything, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Everything I'm glad about your son's pooping. I'm glad that you don't know you're not fully on top of my son's toilet habits. That's true. You don't need to know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for the purposes of the joke, it's not like people are going to write in and be like, "Sammy's still using pull-ups." Ellie, you might want to have a conversation with him. I mean, they, they would, would just be they cracking would write up in. because it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, to answer your question, zero times they wouldn't fit me. I'm not that small. Come on, <laughs> if only they did fit me. For some of this LA traffic, it would be great to have a diaper. Uh huh. Or it would probably cushion your bottom for those long sits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to the next part of the show where we uh-huh. recommend movies that we saw and enjoyed. And as much as we kind of liked replicas, maybe you should see these first. Okay. I would like to recommend a movie that I, you know, guys, sometimes I recommend movies on this podcast that are, let's call them plain movies that are. Like planes from Disney. Yeah. They're they're mm-hmm. they're pleasant enough. I recommend them because or they're the a thing. movie adaptation of Sarah Plain and Tall. <laughs> they're a thing I saw recently <laughs> that I found enjoyment in, but I'm not going to put my full weight behind. This week, I'd like to put my full weight behind my recommendation. I saw Booksmart, uh-huh. and I loved this movie. I thought it was so good. I think it was. I think it's the most I've laughed at a comedy in recent memory. So on the just the comedy level, it delivers, but also the the movie like. The two protagonists, the 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 actors who play them, and the writing of the movie makes you just on the side of these two young women immediately. Mm-hmm. Like they're so lovable, so easy to kind of sympathize with, and the movie is really great about. It's it's a movie where like everyone in the film is a fleshed out character that you care about and empathize with and like no one's like a bad like even the people who are mean sometimes you understand them and you sympathize with them and overall you're like oh this is a good person and it's but they the movie manages to do that without being over sweet yeah if you know what i mean so even those like like say the the evil manager who is actually like working for a military company Mm -hmm. is fully fleshed out in Booksmart. uh yeah exactly that character that exists in Booksmart. But I also want to say, you know, in 2019, there should be more movies where, say, a range of sexualities is just treated very casually. Uh-huh. Uh, but unfortunately, there are fewer than, than there should be. And it's nice to see like a big mainstream crowd-pleasing comedy that does not make any kind of big deal about the fact that one of the protagonists is a, a lesbian. Uh-huh. And I don't know. Like, it's just there are times in this movie... As funny as it was where I was on the verge of tears, not because something was particularly sad mm-hmm. or not even because something was making me like super happy, but because I felt so like on these girls' side and wanting them to just have a good life, like for things to work out for them uh-huh. in this period of time where they're graduating school and going through like a lot of tempestuous <laughs> situations. Uh-huh. Like I just cared about the characters. Yeah. And uh, so I just, it's not getting the box office it deserves for being such a crowd pleasing. Like everyone I saw it with was reacting like crazy. And I think if you want to see more movies, I mean, this was directed by a woman. It was written only by women. It stars two women. Like if you want to see more movies like that, it's good to get out in the theater and see it. Yeah. Yeah. People should go see it. So that's my recommendation. I'm going to recommend a movie kind of along the same lines. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, 
This just came out. You can watch it on demand. Mm-hmm. It stars martial arts actor <laughs> Scott Adkins <laughs> in a quite a character performance for him. The movie is called Avengement, which I don't know what that word means, but I'm assuming it was selected because it means that it shows up at the top of your VOD queue uh, under A. And uh, it is a kind of a mix between his typical like martial arts beat em up movies and a bit of like like a Cockney London gangster movie. So it's filled with fun accents and uh, it is about Scott Adkins plays uh, the younger brother of a like a criminal guy and he does a, a, a job for his brother in order to open up a gym and in the process he gets arrested and causes the death of a poor woman and he goes to jail and jail is horrible and it hardens him and he becomes this like monster of a man who is also very good at fighting and he breaks loose and gets his revenge and i think it's like it's kind of fun it's fun to see an actor who's been in a bunch of these like action movies really have an opportunity to kind of stretch his acting wings and it's also incredibly violent and uh, gory. So if mm-hmm. those things sound fun, I would check out Avengement. I read a review of this online, and it sounded a lot of fun, like it would be my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fun. Yeah, like Booksmart. Yeah, they're yeah. the same movie, basically. Yeah, this movie yeah. puts the act in action. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm going to quickly recommend, I finally got to see Cold War, the Polish movie that came out last year, directed by Paweł Pawlikowski. Pawlikowski? I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Mm-hmm. Anyway, about a man and a woman. The man is a composer slash musical director. The woman is a singer with a, with a not shady past, but with a uh, troubling troublesome past. And the two of them meet in Poland in the 1940s, and it follows their relationship as they kind of intersect in and out of each other's lives. They're deeply in love, but one of them leaves Poland for the West and the other one sticks and stays in Poland and how the two of them kind of change and meet up again and again a few times throughout their life and how their relationship weathers and does not weather the differences imposed on them by geopolitics. It's a really beautiful looking movie. Like it looks gorgeous and I found it really affecting. And to be honest, it was like the movie that I wanted La La Land to be which is like a movie about creative professionals who's who love each other but their lives are imperfect and don't really mesh partly because of their art and partly because of the the burdens that the outside world places on them and their relationship uh, and so it's a very different type of movie than that but I really liked it a lot so that's Cold War and it's currently I think streaming on Amazon Prime Cool. Three movies to watch. Mm-hmm. That's your assignment. I expect reports on my desk next week. Mm-hmm. Hey, before we go, let's plug those live shows again. I, I don't think we need to belabor it. You can go to the you can go to the page, the website, flophousepodcast.com, and click on events. But we do have a show tonight when you're listening to this mm-hmm. in Portland. Tonight in Portland, Oregon, if you're listening to this on June 8th. Well, I'll just say them yeah. real quick. Tonight in Portland, Oregon, then it's July 13th in Minneapolis, September 28th in Boston, October 12th in Los Angeles. Yeah, hopefully we'll see some of you, uh, some of you folks out there. And if we don't see you there, we're just very disappointed in you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, guys. Yeah, we did it. Okay, yeah. so... Uh, so, check out podcasts over at MaximumFun.org. 
Uh, there's tons of cool shows. We're really happy to be part of the network. For the Flophouse Podcast, he's been Dan McCoy. Okay, thanks. Uh, that guy talking was Stuart Wellington. And over here, once again, introducing himself, Elliot Kalin. Please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For the Flophouse, I'm Elliot Kalin. <laughs> I'm Stuart Wellington. <laughs> I'm Dan McCoy. We're caught in a loop. All right. Bye. Okay, now that he's gone, let's talk shit about it. <laughs> okay, can you believe how little he brought to that bit? <laughs> I know. You were giving him all those great prompts. I thought you were going to be like, could you believe how little he is? <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.